Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Get that see on a Monday. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers and Andrew Marsh and Anthony Stalter. 202, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Jamie, I imagine your weekend was pretty good. Out oh, in baby. Denver, Colorado, ball arena. Seriously, we were balling out. That's wow. for sure. Now, uh, I did great. not see that coming. I'll uh, be honest. That dad joke or the game? The game. The dad joke I could see. The, uh, no, the game. Yeah, the game I didn't see coming. Yeah. A uh, couple things. A little bit of a backstory on that is we all know the Blues a bit were vocal about not being Whoa, happy. Hey. We got the cheap, cheap, fun, we, fun. All we right. got the chicken in here. We got the chicken dirt, in here. Dirt cheap chicken. Cheap, bring cheap, bring cheap, it in for the real fun. deal. If you're cheap, checking cheap, it out fun, fun. on the Air Alliance beat break to the neck. YouTube channel. Love it. What's yeah. going on? How are you? Oh, and we got cheap, to see you, boom. Dirt Cheap. Maker's Mark in here yes. as well. We got booze. Booze. We got here. staff members. Guys, Marshy, turn on our camera over I here. I got you. I got you. Let's get Marshy will dial it in here. And you guys, somebody can jump up here and talk. So who told you guys just bring booze and <laughs> you're going to make <laughs> us happy? Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. The party happens. So. Wow. There we go. Yeah. You got the crew from, from Dirt Cheap. Introduce yourself, please. Hi, Dave. Dave with Dirt Cheap. Dirt Cheap Dave for short. What's up, Dave? <laughs> How you guys doing? We're yeah. uh, we're just diving into the blues, the Dirt Cheap Chicken. Perfect timing with the uh, the blues sweater on. Indeed. Cheap, cheap. Yeah. I'd like to see a number six on the back of that. <laughs> Maybe rivers, you know, but... The rest of it is, is quite fly. We can yeah, work no on kidding. that. We can work on that. All right, so Dirt Cheap, you guys, what do you got going on here? Holiday season upon us. You guys got. Yeah. You guys are always having fun. What's going on over there? Uh, got a lot going on. Uh, biggest thing coming down the pipe right now is uh, we're going to have some Black Friday specials coming out, and uh, pricing on that will be released next week. Uh, so lots of great deals, better deals than you're going to find anywhere in the St. Louis area, but uh, same quality you'll find anywhere else, if not better. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Uh, I personally vouch for Dirt Cheap. You walk in there and they have everything, all the high-end stuff, all the best stuff, but it's always marked down, Anthony. Cheap. Uh, so well you guys, played. you guys partnered with Jamie. Now, did you order extra booze <laughs> after you partnered with That's Jamie? Or funny, we do have like four cases. In the <laughs> that makes way. sense. Yeah. So, <laughs> we call that a signing bonus. Okay, yeah, Anthony? yeah, I thought so. <laughs> I went by his desk earlier. I go, hmm. I think Dirt Cheap was here today. <laughs> cheap, cheap. They fun, sure fun. were. 
hooking me up with some Blantons. My yeah. goodness. I'll tell you what, at least it's going to go to a good home. Okay, guys? It's, it's like a puppy. It's like those things there. Like you always hope, oh, at least it has a good home. It's true. Your yeah. Blantons will always have a good home. Yeah, you're quite the bourbon rescuer. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough job, but somebody has to do it. So did you guys catch the Blues game on Saturday at all? Yes. Very much so. Come on in. Come on in. Come on, baby. Because share the mic but yeah no problem it's a party in here we love it this way certainly watched every minute of it now we were just talking about how we did not see that coming as far as the blues whooping them eight to two at the time when you're watching it what were you looking at so if you saw the final score after the fact uh you would have thought that the avalanche you know beat the blues eight to two whatever it is i just did not see that coming their defense was was a whole lot better than it has been, um, but yeah, the offense having two, uh, 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 what's it called? Uh, Hattricks. Yep. Two Hattricks in one hey. game. Just came out of nowhere. So it's good to see uh, Pablo Buchnevich, you know, get a couple goals. Uh, and then the, the uh, El Capitan uh, doing doing his work too. Yeah, it's nice to see those guys who work so hard get rewarded because, like, look, Shanner, for the first, what, handful of games, he didn't have a goal. He was kind of wearing it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. He, he pops the, the the bubble and now he's you know he's got what goals in the last four of the last five games he scored a goal three in Denver and then Pavel Buchnevich who's another guy who kind of wears his emotions like on his sleeve he after the one game interviewing saying that he was like getting his chances but basically that he sucks I can't score it's <laughs> not their fault it's my fault and then he goes out and puts three in and, and he was pretty happy after that no sure. kidding how about Bennington so too yeah, oh yeah I mean Bennington he continues to be uh, exceptional. I heard Curbs earlier today say he's the key to the Blues season. I don't think that's hyperbole. No. I mean, there's no. a lot of factors, certainly, with the way that Jordan Bennington is playing. I mean, yeah. he's, he's just been sensational. Well, if you look at, like, the Blues get up one nothing uh, on Saturday, and then there was a, a barrage of avalanche chances, one after another after another. Mm-hmm. If not for Jordan Bennington, you know, you're not going in with a 3 nothing lead. You might be going into the intermission down 3-1 to one, or 4-1 to one, for that matter. So I, I look at him as the most important piece to the season for the Blues. You know, depth of scoring is going to be one thing that they're going to have to make sure that they have. And they, they're getting that now. The offense is starting to come. But if you don't have that goaltender, like, you're screwed. Mm-hmm. There's no way. So Jordan Bennington, uh, another great performance on Saturday and hopefully more to come. No kidding. You guys Mizzou fans? Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Another dominant performance there. Yeah. I mean, Talk about like just the the fact that you were surprised about the Blues. I was surprised about the Mizzou showing up. I mean, I thought they were going to show up against LSU, but you know, with Tennessee, I mean, I thought that was going to be a either closer game mm-hmm. or 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 a loss. To yeah, be honest with you. yeah, played them. Yeah, yeah thoroughly. Yeah. yeah, you know, I guess the the concern was how do they get off the mat after losing to Georgia? But if you think about it, they lose to, to they lose to LSU. Get down by 14 against Kentucky the following week. Storm all the way back. Last week, they lose to, to Georgia. And Ole Miss got stomped. Same spot. So it yeah. goes to show you how, you know, you don't want to do the moral victory thing. But Mizzou going to between the hedges la- last week and faring very well, all things considered. Ole Miss getting its rear end kicked yeah. at, at number 10. I mean, again, that goes to show you how good Mizzou has been this season. And then they get off the mat and they have no problem with a Tennessee team that – you know, it was a small favorite going in. Yeah. It's been a great season yeah. for Mizzou. It's been finish it though. Yeah. Well, that's the Definitely. thing is, 
You got to finish it off. You can't lose to one of these last two teams. You got what a five hundred team, five and five team in you Florida. Got Florida, and then you got Arkansas. Crap, I don't Arkansas even know team. how bad they are, but I know they're they're really bad. Well, they were down twenty one, and I blinked, and they were down twenty one to nothing. To was it A and M? No, it couldn't have been A Auburn. Who's not very good? This couldn't have been A and M. Could not have been A. Could have been A and M. They're looking for a new head coach. Uh, no, it was Auburn. Who's not very good. So yeah. they, they Arkansas was down 21 nothing. I think, in the first quarter against Auburn. So, yeah, you're right. they, they got to take care of business. Mizzou cracked the top 10 by the end of this? I think so. They have to. Yeah. If they do, do they get a New Year's Day game? Yeah, probably. Because that's the big debate right now. It's like, are they good enough to get one of those games? That would be awesome. And then I go back and I just absolutely just lose it. I'm so ticked off that they lost to LSU. Because if you beat LSU... And then you lose to Georgia, which kind of expected. You only lost by nine. So, I mean, you showed out really well. But if you beat LSU and you're sitting there right now with only one loss, like, I'm not saying they're playoff worthy because there's some really good teams in college football this year. But they're definitely, if they're sitting with one loss right now, they're definitely playing on New Year's. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hope so. At that point, then. Yep. Yeah. If they only have one loss. I mean, how many, how many times have we said that over the years? Not many. Not, uh, many. not yeah. since I've been around here. Yeah, the two, <laughs> yeah, the back to back SEC championship teams, uh, they played in the SEC championship game. But even then, you, you know, you're like, okay, good team taking, taking advantage of a, a weaker division. This Mizzou team has definitely been the best under drink. And then I would I would even go back and say they this is one of the better SEC versions of Mizzou, and I did not see it coming coming in. Well, Anthony called Drink a high school coach at one point. I did. You know, he said he's like he runs a high school offense. Be you fair, know, these dink and dunk passes. No, Anthony, go ahead, take over. You know, I did call the high I did call the offense a high school offense. <laughs> hey, when you're throwing sideways every every play, now he's going to see that like, every Friday. Yeah, every Friday you see this. Kerry will tell you. Kerry Davis is coaching high school football. He'll tell you. But no, credit credit to Mizzou. They completely completely turned around their season from early on. There's too many close games against bad opponents to say, oh, well, you know, we'll see what happens when the SEC schedule starts. But to their credit, man, they turned they turned it on. So it dirt cheap. Dirt cheap in the house. We got the yeah. dirt cheap chicken. Does, it, do our, does our dirt cheap chicken have a nickname? Cheap, right. cheap. Well, we know that. We know what it does. <laughs> if not... If not, we I gotta figure. I'm good with nicknames. You'll get one. We'll get this figured yeah, out. Get, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll it, it will be radio edited. Like it oh, won't yeah. be something you know. Yeah. Off the. No, we we already have those things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be it'll be in a terms of endearment. Yeah, so, of course, that's for well. sure. Yeah, we well, love the chicken. Well, thanks for stopping by, yeah, yeah. everybody yeah, from Dirt Cheap. Us. Good stuff. Come, seeing the dirt honestly, cheap chicken. Seeing what you guys bring. Come back anytime. Anytime. Like, anytime. We'll come back tomorrow okay. with another uh, case. Let's, we th- we're fine with yeah. it. We're not going to push back. No, yeah, yeah. no, no. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll be in touch, Mr. We'll battle through it. Thank you. <laughs> there Perfect. you go. All right. That's uh, that's dirt cheap. Make sure you uh, plenty of locations. I know we got one out in South County that I may have frequented. 50? No. 15. 15. 15. 50. It's like 50. 50. You know, the, they all have a drive through Soon. Yeah. Soon. 50. They all have a drive through don't you know it? Yeah, I do. Most of them have. Right, right yeah. up and right out of there. There you yeah. go. And this is why I looked like I was mad. <laughs> <laughs> Thank chicken was Thanks, in the guys. We'll see. I've been waiting for you to see the chicken. I'm like, all right. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll talk about the blues next on 101 ESPN. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
really nice. I think uh, it's a big game for our club, uh, just confidence-wise, and um, you can see things were connecting for for the guys tonight. Power play that that sort of th third period set the tone um, for the rest of the game, and uh, it's really good to see. You know, we've been working hard, we've been working on our foundation, and, and I think um, you know just just buying in and, and finding a way and, and seeing success and seeing guys get uh, get some goals and assists and. Um, it all starts from our framework and, and our foundation, so um, you just got to keep building uh, every day. That's Blues goaltender Jordan Bennington following the Blues 8-2 win over the Avalanche in Colorado, and we can go a lot of different directions with this game, but why don't we start off with Bennington? I would mentioned to you in the, the previous segment, Jamie, just listening to, uh, I believe it was the opening drive this morning. They were talking to Curbs, and Curbs said, yeah, Bennington might be the key to the entire season. I realize there's a lot of factors that go into an entire year. Health, whether or not you got the roster, obviously the the adjustments from a coaching standpoint, the offense which which we'll get into. But I understand where Curbs was was coming from when it comes when it comes to describing how important Bennington is. And you kind of illustrated that too when we were doing our pre-show meeting and you said, "Yeah, that first period could have gone a lot differently without Bennington." Yeah, they got, first of all, the Blues got off to a great start. What I liked is if you look at the games where they have been successful, which it's been quite a few here recently, the first shift they establish getting pucks in deep. And they did the same thing on Saturday night against the Avalanche. First shift to get out there, a couple of transition passes, got it in deep, got in on the forecheck, right away had a presence in the offensive zone. That makes a difference. It does, and especially when you're trying to create some momentum as a hockey club. You know, you want to roll the lines over, especially at high altitude. You want to make sure that you're spreading out the minutes so that no one line or no one individual is just absolutely bagged by the end of the first period. So putting pucks into the offensive zone allows you to do that, and that's what they did. And they got to work down there. And they did a fantastic job of <clears> – <throat> now, it happened a couple times in the game because it's, it's just a game of hockey. Turnovers happen. But the dangerous ones really weren't there on Saturday against the Avs, which is good because the Avs have an absolute juggernaut of a team offensively. Like, if you blink, they can put three in the net, and that's mm -hmm. almost what happened. The Blues get on the board early. Tory Krug uh, with a great shot from the point. Braden Shen deflects it into the net. You're up one nothing. but what happened after that was wild because the Avalanche then just, like, put their foot on the gas and got numerous scoring chances against the Blues, but Jordan Bennington was there. And one, you get saved by the post on one of them. That's fine. That's why they're there. It happens. <laughs> yeah, that's why they're there, okay? They're either your best friend or your worst enemy, depending mm -hmm. on which way the puck goes. I mean, the Blues have hit plenty of posts this early, in this early going. So. 100%. So when I look at the performance of Jordan Bennington in that moment, which is the highest pressure moment, the other team's coming with a big push offensively, and he wasn't rattled at all. And I learned a few things about Jordan Bennington on this trip. You know, you travel with these guys, have some conversations and whatnot, and this is not like a really behind-the-scenes conversation, but it's something I wasn't aware of, is that Jordan Bennington, you know, he, he practices certain breathing techniques. And he went into, you know, kind of went off the grid with a little bit, like into detail with me. I'm not going to waste everybody's time with that, but he also said that that's why he loves pregame skate in Colorado, because I hated it. I was like, this is stupid. Like, you know, But for him in particular for the goalie position, for him, by the time pregame pre skate is over, he's got his breathing patterns down to where he's not feeling tired anymore, mm. and he's ready for the game. 
And if you look at Jordan Bennington over the course of time, he seems to play really well in Colorado. Like he never seems like he's fizzled out at any point. And so he said he'd be ready to go um, for the game that night, and he was also very motivated. He's not a big fan of the Colorado Avalanche mm-hmm. overall and wasn't happy with the outcome of the very first game. And so he responded. He responded in, in a really good way. He was so good all night long. And, Marshy, I sent you um, that message on Twitter it was, I found it fascinating because people are really quick to be Jordan Bennington haters, you know, and you look at last year, no, he's not the guy, get rid of this guy and whatnot. And then so Money Puck had some rankings on current NHL goalies. Marshy, I think you have it pulled up. I do, yeah. He's ranked number four right now. And this goes beyond just Jordan Bennington. If you look at the top 20, Joel Hofer sits at 19 as well. So the Blues have a, a good tandem in the NHL right now in the top 20 of all of the star or all of the goaltenders in the league right now. So he ranks number four. Yeah. So that's your goaltender right now. He's playing really, really well uh, this season. He's confident, you know. And, and let's. Oh, can I address something too, really mm-hmm. quick, about Jordan Bennington? Because I wasn't here on Friday, and I heard you guys addressed it, and I have been asked no less than oh, I don't know, thirty-five to forty <sighs> times. Yeah. <laughs> Are the Blues trading Bennington to the Oilers? No. No, they're not. Not right now, anyways. No chance in you know what are they doing that. So this is a this is the power of Canadian sports media. Mm-hmm. Is it somebody just throws it out there and then somebody else grabs it and runs with it because the media are fans up in Canada, which is you know supposed to be rule number one. You're mm-hmm. not a fan, yeah. right? They don't even hide it. <laughs> and so when their team, the Oilers, is losing, what do the Oilers need? They need a goaltender. Who can we go force somebody to trade? And that's what they do. They mm-hmm. put it out there. Oilers talking to Blues about Bennington. No. And behind all that stuff, maybe there's a truth. Maybe Ken Holland did call Army and say, hey, any chance on Bennington? Click. Army hung up on him yeah. for sure. But he did make the call. But he made the call. Right. Or they heard somebody talk about Bennington. And now they just make it as real. Jordan Bennington is not being traded to the Edmonton Oilers at this point. I can tell you that right now. Not if the Blues truly want to make any kind of a run at being a playoff team this year. To your point earlier, what Curb said, Jordan Bennington might be the most important player on the entire roster. Why on earth would you trade that? It didn't. Ma- it didn't make any sense. It mm. doesn't make any sense. It never would make any sense. No, the, and it goes back to what you just said about really the. The goal for this season, Doug Armstrong making the moves that he did at the at the trade deadline and having a carry over to the offseason, he has been open and transparent about we expect this team to rebound and make the playoffs. Yeah. Retool, not rebuild. Trading Jordan Bennington does not fit into that that mold. Plus, some of the names that were being thrown out there, it's like, oh, get a def- uh, defenseman. They, they need a defenseman. No. We just need the defensemen we have to play, you know, <laughs> to play up to their yeah, potential. To play up to their to potential. which they are right now. Yeah, so that that doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Like it, you said, the Oilers from from a media standpoint, it it makes sense because yeah. you want a goaltender. Well, they want that. They need that. You could circle it without without doing anything else, like seeing the blue side of it. <laughs> and it goes to the point that you made on Friday that the national media don't really have an idea of where this team wants to go. They mm-hmm. think the Blues are a bottom feeder team and the season, you know, will play itself out, but from what we expect this team to be, we expect them to be a playoff team. Mm-hmm. So no, they're not going to trade Jordan Bennington, but that just shows how how 
checked in these national people are. Yeah. They're not. No. They're not. They have no idea. They, they, they made up their minds on where the Blues are going based on last year, mm-hmm. looking at the roster from this year, and saying, hey, last year they make the playoffs and they lost some talent. So they're probably not going to be a playoff team this year. And then they moved on. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. But I think having that in the back of our heads when something like this comes up, yeah. it makes sense. Because you say, for them, they say, well, we know the Blues aren't going anywhere. Why don't you Why don't you make a deal? Because you're rebuilding. They're not. They're not <laughs> no. rebuilding. No, you're not. And look, at the Blues have won four of their last five games. They're you know knocking. They're knocking on the door to being third in the division. Um, you know they have a favorable schedule coming up here in this month. Like Tampa Bay is going to be a tough game. L.A. Kings are going to be a tough game. But after that, when you look at San Jose, you look at Anaheim, you look at Arizona. Those are all very winnable games. Yes. So the Blues have a real possibility of having a great stretch of hockey here. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that the atmosphere around the team is top notch right now. These Good. guys are confident. And you get guys like Tory Krug, who early on the season could have had every reason to be frustrated and, and be ticked off for a lot of reasons. Okay, he wasn't scoring no prim- primarily, but he what he did is he shifted and played really well defensively. And now some of the offense is coming. Justin Falk is playing well. Colton Pareko is playing some of the best hockey he's ever played in his career. And so there's a lot of things to be optimistic about. Is this a for sure playoff team? I have no idea. I have no idea. But is it a team that I enjoy watching right now that I think can compete on a nightly basis given the opponent? Yeah, it is. Yep. Tonight, you got Bills, Broncos pregame starting at 6.30. Blues, Lightning pregame starting at 6 o'clock tomorrow night. So we will carry the Blues and Lightning for you, of course, here on the home of the Blues, 101 ESPN. So Blues, Lightning tomorrow night. But Bills and Broncos tonight. Good thing for us, this game doesn't matter. Not from a pick'em standpoint. Isn't it nice? Very nice. <laughs> we'll give you an update there. Talk about some of the things that happened yesterday in the National Football League next on 101 ESPN. The way to do your is Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Get ready. 
ready to pick them. It's the Fast Lane Football Pick'em Challenge on 101 ESPN. Refreshed by Bud Light. Boy, you sure know how to pick them. So we got uh, got another win, gentlemen, in the NFL Pick'em Challenge. That's right. Beat those fools like a drum. I mean, at this point, it's easy. <laughs> Feels like it. Seven. Seven's number. We got seven wins to two losses. I didn't hear if they were talking about it today. I didn't hear a peep, Anthony. Isn't that amazing? Hmm. Isn't that amazing? The the chirp 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 blah 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 mm-hmm. blah blah all the time, eh? Riz, Moon, Learn, yep. Wraith. Oh, they're all yeah. Where is it now? Nothing. Where is it now? They got nothing to complain about. Well, what what or rule they to, are they going to try and change right. now? Well, well, we we don't have to we don't have to take the picture for the billboard. We don't we don't need to take the picture. Well, it's not for a billboard. We get to take a picture and we can do whatever we want mm, with it. That's correct. Now, Hubbard Radio just so happens to have a billboard available mm. Mm. that um, some of the higher-ups have told me could, would, be available at some point for said picture. Yeah. Doesn't mean we're going to do it. Well, let's let's also close out the win, too. You know, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Uh, you here. know what, Anthony? Mm. I like playing with confidence. I do, too, but... I would be gripping my stick too hard, you know? Well, Jamie, it's good life advice. Yeah. For anybody. Yeah, loosen up a little bit. But... Like Shen and... Bucci. True. Let's not order the rings. Three goals. Let's not order the rings. You're saying let's go week by week. Let's go week by week. Exactly. But nice job this week, gentlemen. Oh, yeah. So tonight's game, Bills, Broncos, does not matter. Everybody on each side has the Bills. I can't believe that. Nobody took the Broncos. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. This is how things shape up for an individual, from an individual standpoint. Uh, Me, Beatsy, and Carrie... All led the week with nine. Marsh, Jamie, right behind us with eight. Eight points. So it will come down to a tiebreaker between Marsh and Jamie. And as we found out last week, Mm. it's just basically whoever's got that little, that higher number with the small. We don't know. We don't know how the, we don't know about the math. We just checked the site on the the, the following day and then we figured out. But Jamie won the tiebreaker last week against Gary. That means I'm going to lose it this week. Maybe. If, and if you do, it's two shots to you. Yeah, baby. And Marsh, if you lose, I have three. It's three coming to Marsh. Mm-hmm. But they don't feel as bad when you when you win. No, they don't. No, no. Unless was, you hit me in the lower back, <laughs> hit me in the spine and or the hamstring. <laughs> Half shot. I'm actually worried because my all of the shots that I've taken, I've I've not done a good job. I'll leave it at that. I've missed the target. Yeah, all, you mean all the shots that you, yeah, that you have. At least on you. Yeah, you've hit me, again, in the spine and the yeah. and the hamstring. So. Thanks, Marsh. Anyways, the the best surprise yesterday for you guys in the NFL. Uh, Got to be the Texans, right? That, okay, I don't know if it's the best surprise because I had the Bengals in that game. Um, but it certainly was maybe the biggest surprise. But bigger surprise to me is... Just that, like, C.J. Stroud thinks this NFL league's easy. What? what, I asked you this in the office, Anthony. Mm -hmm. I'm going to re-ask it again because, we, you know, we we bounce things off of each other, but we never really talk about it Mm -hmm. because we like to do it on air. Yeah. And 
how did everybody get it so wrong? This, like, yeah. CJ Stroud, the scouting report leading up to it was like raw ability, but ah, you know, yeah. nah, I don't know. Like a lot of question marks around mm-hmm. this guy. I think a lot of, I think everybody missed it with CJ Stroud because in a similar way with Justin Herbert, because what you saw in college is not translating to the NFL. What Justin Herbert did at college, in college at Oregon, you were like, ah, it's fine. I see, I see the size and the arm strength, but ah, he's not, he's not really asked to do a whole lot, and he kind of runs around and that Oregon often, and then you get the NFL and his processing of, of uh, abilities off the charts. C.J. Stroud did not do what we're seeing now with the Texans until his final game. He did it against Georgia in a playoff game last year, where he would make things happen outside of the framework of the offense. CJ, the book on CJ Stroud was always look to the sidelines, get the play, he'll execute the play. Don't ask him to do anything else. But he's got the arm strength, he's got the size, so he's a prototypical NFL quarterback. But again, don't ask him to do much. And then he faced Georgia, and all of a sudden, he'd get outside the pocket, he would keep his eyes downfield, he would create on his own. We're seeing both versions of CJ Stroud now with the Texans. The guy that can take the play right in front of him, what Bill Belichick and Tom Brady always used to call as taking the profits. Five yards are available, I'll take the profits. Seven yards available, I'll take two yards available. That's what C.J. Stroud is doing, and he's also extending the play when he gets outside of the pocket. Is he the MVP? Because i seen that on uh, one of the ESPN shows this morning. Yeah, I think your guy Orlovsky continues to, was like, to tout it. He said he put his numbers up against any other quarterback in the NFL right yeah, now. Yeah, it's hard to argue number-wise. And his team wasn't supposed to be this good. Right. So if you look at Patrick Mahomes or if you look at Jalen Hurst, like these guys were expected to be good. Mm-hmm. The Texans were nowhere on the radar, and now he has them on the radar, and he's in the what top three, top four quarterbacks in the NFL. He's and in number he's one in, the conversation. in some categories. He has to be. He has to be in the conversation. When has that ever happened before? Rookie? A rookie? MVP. Oh boy. I think it's only happened maybe one time where a guy has won often I think it was Jim Brown. Well, that would be that would explain a lot. I yeah. think Jim Brown was the only, like the first and only player to win offensive rookie of the year and the MVP. You'd be correct. Jim Brown's it. Has a rookie ever won NFL MVP? Yes, there has been one player to win NFL MVP award during his rookie season, and that would be Jim Brown wow. after his 1957 season with the Browns. And that may have been the first MVP trophy awarded or first offense rookie of the year. I don't know. Whatever. CJ Stroud is He's knocking at the door, man. He's been phenomenal. Yes. Bengals are in a little bit of trouble, too. Yeah, they needed to keep winning. They're banged up. They couldn't generate much of a, a, a pass rush. Joe Burrow threw a couple of interceptions in the second half. They had a just a horrible drop as well. But I honestly thought they were fortunate to be in that game. Really, the way that Houston was dominating. A couple other like good surprise surprises. It was nice to see San Francisco. Yes, come back. It goes to show you how how much they need Debo Samuel in that offense. When Debo is there, that offense rolls. Well, because you have to expect the unexpected. They can they can do that positionless football, Jamie, where yep. he can line up in the backfield and then they can kick Christian McCaffrey outside or vice versa, and it screws up the defense. It's a pretty good Jacksonville defense. Not great, but good. Certainly capable of, of keeping them within that game. And instead, 
that was a blow. I mean, you knew right from the first quarter that San Francisco was going to dominate that game, and they did. did. How much, by the way, Jacksonville put up three points, okay? How much of a friggin' nightmare is the 49ers defense right now? They can roll. You know the ability to roll four lines in yeah. hockey? They have the ability to roll Dude, two lines in football. They, they have Chase Young on one end and mm-hmm. Nick Bosa on the other. Yeah. It's got to feel like the walls are caving in. Constantly. Like and and arms like, dead up the middle. Trevor Lawrence never looked comfortable that entire game. No. That was that was a clinic. Now on the other side, how many games are you going to give away, Baltimore? Oh yeah. How many how many games are you going to give away? They're their own worst enemy. I haven't seen a team beat Baltimore yet. I haven't. They've got how many losses now? 3 on the year. 1 2 3. They've got 3 losses on the year. I have not seen an opponent beat the Brown, beat the Ravens yet. I've seen the Ravens beat the Ravens. I saw it yesterday. Yeah. Where they were up, what, 14, 18, something like that, 16 on Cleveland? Cleveland misses. 14. 14? Yeah. Cleveland misses an extra point. They do the Cleveland thing where they miss the extra point after they <laughs> tie it up on a, a pick six. <laughs> and Baltimore still doesn't win. They did the same crap against the Steelers, gave them that game, and, and the Colts earlier in the year. I've seen Baltimore beat itself three times. Other than that, I've not seen a team own the the Ravens. I mean, that was that was frustrating to watch as a Ravens fan. Yeah. Mm. Well, speaking of the Ravens, doesn't matter what team you picked. They no, they're going to lose in the end. Yeah. Well, speaking of the Ravens, I'm sure that uh, Craig Berube was probably ticked watching that performance. We'll have to maybe ask him. We got Craig Berube coming on at 4:30 there today. There you go. Nice. Talk about the Blues crushing the Avalanche. Absolutely. Uh, maybe we won't ask him about the Ravens. Nah. Maybe we'll avoid that. But yeah. you know. Uh, and then finally, when I think of great, the, I texted you guys this. When yeah. I think of the greatest quarterback known to man. <laughs> I think of Joshua Dobbs. <laughs> yes. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> Holy smokes. Marsh, you're going to make the playoffs, kid. Dude. Let's just let things play out, okay? make the playoffs. Let's take a look at this for a second. Okay, just for fun, we look at the NFC, and the Vikings are sitting there at 6-4. and four. They're not going to catch the Lions, okay? I don't think they'll catch the Lions, but you Only look... Two losses. You look at the rest of the conference... Like they're right there. Oh yeah, they're going to be a playoff team. They're better than every every team in the NFC South, as we're finding out, because they're just going through them like hot butter, a knife through hot butter. Uh, they're better than most of the teams in the NFC West, and they're better than half the teams in the NFC East. Next three games are against the Broncos on Sunday Night Football. Then they take on the Bears, and then they have a bye, and then they take on the Raiders. Wow. So things, they potentially could be nine and four coming out of that. Things are lining up real nice. Then they have a few tough games. I believe they take on the Bengals, and then they'll take on the Lions at least twice. And they have the Packers in there as well. Anthony, um, just out of curiosity, have you started training? Yep. For the Waffle House. Challenge? I absolutely have. Yeah. Started last week. After the Vikings. Beat By the, the way, how the Falcons do this week? They did exactly what I expected them to. I told you I'm guys. I'm sorry. I know, but I just, I, I you, I'm i a jerk. I brought it up. No. But I, I feel like I had to. <laughs> I told you guys, I told you guys last, last week. That was it. I got, I, it was broken. I was broken last week. I actually I ate sat some there. waffles last night. Well, yeah, you, you're good. You don't have <laughs> yeah, to worry about just like, staying man, away from them. Man, I had like four of them. Yeah. I'm like, man, this is probably. You're good. 
the last time I'll eat these before before Anthony ends up having. That's these. correct. Oh, yeah. 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 No, you're absolutely it's like right. A celebratory waffle, actually. <laughs> wow, he's really digging in, isn't he? That's yeah, fine. No, I, hey, listen, I made I made the uh, the Waffle House bet, and uh-huh. uh, I'm gonna have to honor it. Do you remember a few weeks ago when you? You essentially asked me, hey, I'll chop down about half your time. Yes, and you didn't take it. I didn't take it. That's I had smart. faith. That's that really smart. arrogant of you, really. No, I was thinking I'm a, I'm a Falcon fan. I've seen how this plays out. If I can just get the kid to commit, <laughs> if I can get a signed confession, I don't care if he did it or not. I just get the signed confession. All right, Mizzou rolled against Tennessee over the weekend. We'll dive into just how big of a win that was and where we're at right now with Eli Drinkowitz, who – Guys, I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, there's some SEC teams looking for a head coach. How concerned are we that that Drink could head off to College Station? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. First and goal for Mizzou at the seven. Schrader, number seven, in for the touchdown. He's just so gritty. I mean, he's got a stubborn refusal to quit in anything he does. He's got really big lower halves. Um, I mean, he's just a butcher ball of muscle. You know, he's got great instinct, short area quickness. His ability to stop and cut back behind somebody creates an arm tackle, and you're not going to be able to tackle him. Um, but, I mean, crud, there was one tackle. He got smoked, got up talking trash. I mean, the dude's got the biggest chip on his shoulder, and uh, I'm fortunate, fortunate, fortunate to coach him. That was Eli Drinkwitz talking about his running back, uh, Schrader, Cody Schrader, who has just been phenomenal this season, to say the least. 35 carries, 205 yards, and a touchdown against Tennessee in that 36-7 victory over the Vols. So, Jamie, I know you watched, watched the game from start to finish. Um, the second Mizzou game I've ever watched. And the first one was LSU. Let me tell you something. Okay, Anthony, I had a pretty good day planned for myself <clears throat> on Saturday. Got up, got a nice workout in, a um, little bite to eat, walked to the rink with John Kelly, pregame skate. I was excited because I was going to have a nap. Hmm. I was going to shut it down. I bragged about it. I was going to cave it up, dark curtains, drop the temperature down because I don't get to nap. Like, ever. And uh, when I do the games on the road, primarily, you know this, where I'm on the radio until right. the moment I leave for the bus. So I was like, I got an afternoon to shut it down. Mm. I didn't. You know why? Friggin' Mizzou playing so <laughs> damn good. I turned the game on, and I was like, oh, I'll just kind of watch this and just shut my eyes, you know. Mm. And I didn't I didn't blink, I don't think, for four quarters. Yeah. So I watched it from first kickoff to last buzzer, and I was thoroughly impressed with that team. I did not see that coming. I didn't see a blowout. That, the dominance. I didn't see the dominance. Yeah, coming. saw a win, but maybe not. Maybe not blowout. Yeah, I, I had said this with Dan McLaughlin, who filled in for you on Friday, Jamie. When I went back and watched the the Tennessee Kentucky cutups, I thought, why was this game? I thought that I was going to see Tennessee flex at some point because you looked at the final score. And the final score was like, okay, Tennessee was in control. What I saw was a Kentucky offense that is very similar to Mizzou do a lot of the things against Tennessee that Mizzou has success with. And they that's exactly what they did. What I was concerned about 
was Tennessee getting to the edges and exposing Mizzou on the edges like LSU did. Because that is how Tennessee beat Kentucky. Instead, Mizzou went with, I mean, for a large portion of the game, three down linemen, had a bunch of banged up linebackers throughout, and they still dominated that game. That was incredibly impressive on all fronts. And that's a big win. Oh, God, yeah. You come off the you come off the game against Georgia, and that could have gone a, a, a bunch of different ways. You're at home now. You had your two big games against LSU and against Georgia from a rank standpoint, and you lose them. How are you going to respond? Instead, you took it to them for four for mostly four quarters. That I think was a huge win to show. All right, Mizzou is on that upper level of tier two. They're not. They're not in tier one. They're not. They're not in Georgia's category and. Bama's category they're just not but they're ahead of Tennessee they're certainly ahead of Kentucky and with the way that Ole Miss looked against that same Georgia team this past weekend we're only talking about a week difference yeah and the way Georgia ran them out the out out the building after Mizzou hung with Georgia Mizzou's a better team this season than than Ole Miss so what does this mean then because I was driving here today and uh BK and Ferrari Alex and Tanner were talking about Mizzou, and I started thinking to myself, what does this ultimately mean for Mizzou football here moving forward? Because if your team wins out, you're probably going to break the top 10. You may get a game on New Year's, may, mm-hmm. maybe not. But it doesn't matter at this point. It'd be nice, okay? It'd be like the cherry on top. But what does it mean for Mizzou football? Because if you go back two years ago, it was a disaster. Mm-hmm. At least it felt like it was a disaster. Drink comes on doesn't really make the impact right away we think he's going to make as a coach but yeah. he did recruiting he did his strategy to come in and basically lock off the borders nobody no Missouri kids going elsewhere we're keeping our talent in-house here that's worked yeah like Mizzou is the for place the to for the most part I mean obviously there's outliers but sure. so what does it mean then like where's Mizzou football a year or two from now. Well, let's take a step back. Who so, do they lose? When does Burden go to the NFL? Uh, Burden, I think, is eligible for the NFL after next season. Okay. Because this is his second year. What about some of their other guys? And by the way, they won. I know he played. He he wasn't right. No, no, he wasn't they, right. They he, won. They won without Burden. They won on, on the Saturday. shoulders of what's his name Schrader. Schrader. Yeah. So you ask me, okay, what does this mean? What's the life? You know this. What does? What's the lifeblood of college football? Or college athletics. Like, how do you build your program? You got to recruit. You got to recruit. So let's take let's take a step back and then look at it from the standpoint of like that that two hundred foot view. Okay, Arkansas terrible this year. Mississippi State terrible. They're looking for a new coach. Auburn has not been good. They have not flashed. They've not been in big games. They've not been in primetime spots. They they have not been good. Texas A and M proud college football program. Oof. Where you can buy, you know, Nick Saban made the made the infamous comment of that's the best best team money could buy. So they their their alumni poured a lot of money into that that team. Now they're going to look for a new head coach because oh. they fired Jimbo Fisher, right? Vanderbilt stinks. South Carolina down year. Florida down year. You beat Kentucky. You beat Tennessee. This is what it's about. It's about showing recruits. Hey, we were right there with LSU. Should have beat them. We were right there with Georgia. Uh-huh. We beat all these other teams. From a recruiting standpoint, you can on a on a two thirty on a Saturday. You had kind of had the net. You no, there was no big games 
outside of Washington and, and Utah playing at that same time. Yeah. And you took it to Tennessee. If you could get a New Year's Day bowl, which would be huge, you can you can continue to show recruits we are building something. If if a kid, you know, five star recruit has its has his eyes set on Georgia and Alabama, not much you could do there. But how about the transfers? How about some Georgia and Alabama players that yeah. are not, you know, maybe they're maybe they're three or four star recruits that can't that, that aren't playing. They're stuck behind somebody. Hey, Mizzou looked pretty good. Mizzou Mizzou played us hard. Trending in the right direction too. That's what it means. I thought it was uh, I, I thought it was um, fun reading a quote from Eli Drinkwitz, and I'm not going to try and match it word for word here. I'll just say I'm paraphrasing it. Mm-hmm. But he basically said, you know, they've gone from a position of hoping that kids choose Mizzou to now choosing the kids who will attend Mizzou. That's where you want to be. Paraphrasing, but it was yeah. literally something like that to mm-hmm. where. You know, in a short period of time, it's gone from "please choose us" to "well, we'll we'll get back to you." This is how you build momentum mm. as a program. Let's 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 remember Alabama was terrible until Nick Saban showed up, and even their first year was rocky. But he built momentum, and then it was a juggernaut. Don't forget, Georgia wasn't anything until Kirby Smart got there, locked down the borders, built momentum. There's a lot of programs that were that have been down. We think of them now and say, "Man, boy, they've always been good." Mm-mm. This is how you build momentum yeah. and credit drink and his staff. Uh, Jamie and I were doubters at the start. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah, I owe an apology to-, to my guy Kyle. He's on Twitter. Kyle, uh, he started in on the text line where he wanted to bet because I said they wouldn't win seven games. He yeah. said they'd win eight games or nine games, and I thought he was crazy and mm-hmm. all that stuff. So I apologize to Kyle, but I owned it last night on Twitter. I said, hey, you know, all – Ew. Forget exactly what I said, but basically that I'm really excited for Mizzou football. Too. Absolutely, I think that's what we wanted to be. Yeah, but we we we've been cautious over it. And if you were optimistic about Mizzou, you know, winning eight, nine, ten games, congratulations, man. We just had to push them. We had to push them. That's yeah. right. Quick, Tough love. Quick question. I know we're up against it here a little bit, but a lot of chatter today about Texas A&M, and obviously they're looking for a head coach. A lot of chatter about should Mizzou be worried about losing Eli Drinkwitz? Do you think that that would be a step up for Eli going to Texas A and M? Like if it was a Texas Longhorn, money wise, yeah. Okay, money wise, but will it though? Like they might be a little cautious right now. Yeah, they're paying Jimbo Fisher seventy six million to, to stay go home. away. Yep. Is is Eli? Is that a step is, up? Yeah, I think. Yeah, it is. Uh, Why? All they've ever had is Johnny Manziel. That's it. Because because you know there is an allure to to Kyle Fields and the the 12th man and it's it, there is some college football royalty so to speak with Have that. Have you not been to Harpo's in Columbia Missouri? <laughs> There's some allure to that the, too, Anthony. You know, the, Anthony the line was down the street a few weeks ago. The, uh, the, Trust me, I was there. The alums, you know, can shell out some big time money. There is somewhat of an allure. They I mean, need a 12th man. That's how bad they are. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough, boys. Fair enough. No, all jokes aside, though, is drink big enough name? But for look at A&M. the season he just had. Like, I think the sell for AM is is like we need recruiting mm-hmm. and we need to show that we can trend upward in a hurry. And look what he did in Missouri. You need a program builder. Yeah. So that would be that would be a slight concern. I think they're okay. I think they're okay. I wonder if college if 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 Texas A and M makes one more mistake and brings in Urban Meyer. Oh God. You know. Like one well, I heard they need a kicker. Okay, Jamie. That was pretty good. Let's get back into these blues. See if he can put his finger on it. 
oh, is everything good? I knew something else was there. Is all else good with the offense now? Has the power play been solved? We'll get into that next. I want to win ESPN. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Finding Braden Shen. Shoots it. Blocker save. Georgiev. Puck recovered by Butchnevich to Thomas. Quickly moves it to Shen. On a clean sheet of ice early in the period. Butchnevich. He scores! Power play goal. St. Louis. Well, the key that you heard there was uh, Curb saying power play goal, which oh, is something baby. you didn't hear Curb say a lot of prior to their 8-2 victory over the Avalanche. On Saturday, with Jamie Rivers and Andrew Marsh and Anthony Stolzer, it's Fast Lane 306. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. So, Jamie, here's here's the question for you, Mr. Keen Eye, Mr. Hockey. Oh, boy. Pressure's what, on. What was different about the power play? Okay, uh, it's quite extensive, so try uh, be difficult to explain this without a visual on radio. They scored. They scored, Anthony. Okay. Yep. <laughs> I walked into that one. Take two. Okay. All right. So, Jamie, Mr. Hockey, Mr. <laughs> power play extraordinaire, yeah. besides scoring, of course. Oh, damn it. What's different? What was different about the Blues power play on Saturday? Um, not much. It's reason- a good thing. Well, I mean, okay, hang on. I'm going to pump the brakes. The Arizona game was putrid for the power play. It was not good. The game they won. They won. Both games. They won 2-1 to against Arizona, and they went 0-7 on Mm -hmm. the power play. Now, the second power play unit did have some good chances. Um, They shot the puck a little more. They got more shots on net. So I shouldn't say it was putrid. The the first unit was not connected. No chemistry for the beginning of the season. Then they started to string together some games where they were getting some good looks out there, good opportunities little unlucky there was a post one time like some things right Mm -hmm. what i saw saturday night was a very decisive power play like it's almost like out of nowhere the confidence fairy came down and sprinkled some dust on these guys yeah and that's not an accident that goes back to preparation and it goes back to coaching for me and craig berube talking to him you know and about the power play specifically he mentioned that the power play is not for for them right now is not looking back at how bad it's been. It's approaching the very next power play like this is the one. We're going to do great things in the next power play. Because you get so far in the hole that you really can't dig yourself out if you keep looking behind you at how bad it's been. Right. And so I thought to myself, this was after the pregame skate on um oh what day was that? Thursday. Uh no, sorry, on Saturday. 
And so I thought to myself, that's a pretty good mentality. Because if anybody can be ticked off right now, the coaching staff can be ticked off. Steve Ott can be frustrated, too, with the power play. The players can be frustrated. But if they've adopted this mentality of let's look forward rather than behind us, that's a that's coaching. That's leadership. Mm-hmm. That's guiding your guys down the right path. And so what I saw was that. I saw a power play that looked extremely motivated in Colorado that it's almost like nobody told them that they'd only scored one goal all yeah. season. And that's what brought me back to Craig Bruby's quote uh, regarding the situation. But they moved the puck quickly, efficiently, tape to tape. And you, you think to yourself, like, well, what did they do to fix it? You know, they really didn't do anything except that when the pass was there, they executed that pass tape to tape. They did it quickly. They had net front presence the whole time. And then they found, like, they found ways to get guys available. Mm-hmm. And that's the key. So, Anthony, how many times have we talked about moving the puck around quickly to do what? Create time and space. And Top scoring opportunities. Pull them out of their, their defensive structure. Mm-hmm. You make them move, they get tired, they go the wrong way, they put the wrong the stick in the wrong lane, all of a sudden you have an opportunity. So You don't, you don't want to put a stick in the wrong lane. No, you got to be careful with that. But if you look at the Pavel Buchnevich goal, it goes from high to low to Robert Thomas, and no look, basically, he goes straight cross-ice to Buch for a one-timer into the net. Why was he able to do that? Because they moved the puck from low to high, and the coverage, the guy that was supposed to be in front of the net taking away that backdoor pass, he got sucked up just a little bit, like two feet out of the, the area he should have been in, and the Blues capitalized on it. When it came across to Bucci, he didn't hesitate, and the pass was perfect, right in the wheelhouse. So that's the, the one power play goal. The next one is a strategy that I wish they'd adopt more, and not enough teams do it, is putting two forwards down underneath the goal line and moving the puck behind the net side to side. Here's why. You're forced, as a defending team at that point, you have to turn and look at the puck. Mm -hmm. You have to. You have to know where the puck is at all times. When the puck's on the half wall, you're standing there, you can look and see three-quarters of the ice of what you need to see to take away the next pass. When the puck goes down underneath the goal line and they're moving it side side to side, you have to turn and respect the house. So you're staring back at the at the net. You don't know what's going on behind you. Mm-hmm. And that's what Braden Shen did. He took advantage of that. They moved the puck back behind the net, and Braden Shen, who was in the middle, in the bumper spot, he bumped out just about three feet. And what happens there is the guy was turned, staring at the puck. When the pass went up, he turned and didn't even know Braden Shen had moved. Why? Because he was so fixated on the puck being down low underneath the goal line. Shenner pops out, another great pass, one-timer, goal. Why wouldn't the defense then flank the goaltender? Well, that's easy, because then you just flood the front of the net <laughs> and throw the puck into the front of the net. It's just, you have but to respect I mean, it. They, they, would, they would almost have coverage at the front of the net. If they come down to try and seal it off, right? Yeah then you have an area behind the two defensemen that would be wide open. Mm-hmm. Or if everybody collapses, you'd move it up top, and now you've got 15, 20 feet to walk in and hammer one. Okay. So You see what I'm saying, though? Because if the, if the puck eventually has to go to the net anyways, I would move. I'm thinking about this as a, yeah. from a defensive standpoint. Like, how would I defend this? If the puck's got to go to the front of the net anyways, or yep. to the net, then I'm moving, I'm positioning my defenders and say, you can throw that puck back and forth all, all you want the, behind 
you eventually have to come to the the the, the front anyways. Yeah, Let but me... what'll happen is they'll go low to high anyways, mm-hmm. and then high they'll go side to side and shoot a one timer. Okay. And now your own players end up being screen. Gotcha. So it's it's a good play. It's not foolproof, don't get me yeah, wrong. Yeah. Like there's still ways you can defend it if you're aware of it. That's the thing. If you're aware a team's gonna set up behind the or underneath the goal line, then you can structure it, have one defenseman in front of the net almost like an eye formation through the middle of the ice mm-hmm. while leaving one side of the ice available, which doesn't matter. If they go to that side, that's where you want them. It's what you're trying to predict right. with your defensive coverage. But you have to know that they're doing that. And this was, I don't know if it was improv on the fly or if it was something that they had been working on. I had not seen it yet, mm-hmm. but it went underneath underneath the goal line, side to side, Schenner popped out. It was a great play. Interesting. Two power play goals. They had a shorthanded goal, Bucci on a breakaway. I mean, some 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 really good storylines in that game. We'll continue to talk Blues, including having our guy Craig Berube on at 4.30 today. We'll talk to him about what he's seeing out of his team. Certainly uh, good stuff of late. Jamie, you, you had mentioned, and we will get into this, since the Devils game, they're mm. leading the league in scoring. Yeah, imagine that. That's pretty good, yeah. So bad for a defensive team. Yeah. A damn defensive structure. That yeah, system. it's going to totally prohibit them. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah. Does trading for a starter kill two birds with one stone for the Cardinals? We'll get into that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Could trading for a starter be the better route for the Cardinals because it kills what? two birds with one stone? What does it kill, Anthony? Why are you talking about killing birds? Well, there's one bird team I'd like to eliminate <laughs> in sports. Because, oh, the Falcons. Yeah, I get it. Because trading trading from your big league roster to land a starter. And let's let's save the obvious here. For, for for another for a separate conversation, perhaps later on in the segment. But okay, what starter are you getting then? Let's save that. Well, it's kind of important as to who you're trading. It is. But let's just theoretically, Jamie, say yeah. you, you trade from the big league roster, get a starter. Yeah. You're also freeing up spots that have become log jams. Yeah. So on the surface, it makes a lot of sense. So yes, I'll do it. I'll mm-hmm. trade Dylan Carlson for Alec Manoa. Well, I don't know if no, I'm good. That's going to... I don't know. It might. Should do it, quite honestly. Would you be concerned, though? Like, if the Blue Jays... You, you picked up the phone. You're Mo. Mm. You pick up the phone. You call the Blue Jays. Say, hey, this guy that you have that did not have a good year last year, but I know at one point you thought very highly of. And a guy that uh, has really just been a little injury prone but might need to change the scenery. Somebody that I once said you'd have to pry out of my dead cold fingers just to, just to acquire, right? Yeah. What if I trade you Dylan Carlson for Alec Manoa? Mm-hmm. And the Blue Jays said, deal, we'll put the paperwork in. Would you start to be a little concerned well, if it was that easy? Yeah. Like, yeah, but here's the thing. Uh, crap. With the year that Alec Manoa had, I'm not making that phone call until I've done some background checking. Sure. Yeah. I'm talking to the manager that he had in the minors, to some of the teammates he had in the minors. Maybe some of the teammates he had in the big club. I'm going to kick the tires on Paul DeYoung. 
I know he was there for a cup of coffee and that's it, but he was there. Mm-hmm. Like, what are some of the things that are going on here? Maybe pick up the phone and call Jordan Hicks and say, look, we're not signing you, but... <laughs> give us information don't get anyway. excited <laughs> or maybe you are signing him yeah. maybe you're bringing him back who knows but i would definitely be doing a lot more csi work mm-hmm. leading up to that phone call and then if they said deal then i'm okay with it mm-hmm. i'm not calling them unless i'm ready to make the deal i know i'm just i'm having fun no, but to your yeah. point like if you called the tampa bay rays and was it tyler glass now mm-hmm. they're trying to get rid of and you said hey we're interested in tyler glass now we have an outfielder for you. Yeah. Which outfielder would you want? Right. Dylan Carlson. I'd say Tyler O'Neill it is. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And then and they then you go for Dylan Carlson. I'm not giving them Dylan and, Carlson. And then you and then you call Ollie and say Dylan Carlson starts every single game he's healthy next year. The Rays that's, like him. That's exactly it. Yeah. <laughs> no, but on the sur- on the surface it does. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you were to trade one of one of your players, I don't really care at this point what what position player it is. You're gonna free up a spot if it winds up being, you know, from an extreme standpoint, a Nolan Arenado. Well, you got you got a third base spot that could go to, you know, Jordan Walker. Uh, if you're trading Paul Goldschmidt, you got a first base spot that's up for Jordan Walker. One of your outfielders or- is Jordan Walker the 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 natural fit there because he was a third baseman, wasn't he? Yeah, he was a third baseman, strong arm. I would rather have him at his natural position than, than try to make it work in the outfield. But at this point, this is this is why we're having the well, conversation. Because I'm thinking about Nolan it. Gorman too at first base. Yeah, I'm sure he'd be fine there. He'd be he fine. Just got to catch ball, right? A lot more than that. Ah, not much. Got I play no, first base softball games. Well, you know, there's some more. There's you got to you got to be able to you got to be able to pick over there. You got to know where you're lined up from a cutoff standpoint. Yeah, First baseman's you, doing a lot. Once a guy's on base, I mean, you don't even have to move. No, Jamie, that's <laughs> that's not accurate. I don't think Goldschmidt would, at all. would wave his no-trade clause no, to go not. to uh, You don't think he'd want to go to lovely Toronto? I, I'm j- we're, no. This is why I didn't want to get into the specifics. If we just talk about this from a surface standpoint, uh, it makes a lot of sense. It does if the... If, it does for me, Anthony, if you're talking about these the, these extras in my movie. It doesn't make any sense for me. It, it does make sense to make a trade, but not for just anybody. That's why I, I kind of joked about, like, well, who are we acquiring? Mm-hmm. Because I think that that tells you exactly what the asking price is going to be. If you're looking to get uh, one of those studs, whether it's Dylan Cease or the kid in Seattle. Logan Gilbert. Logan Gilbert. If it, then you know it's going to hurt. It's going to cost you something of importance. Right. But if you're looking to add another arm to your rotation that's a three, mm-hmm. two or three or a four, then you can look at Dylan Carlson. You can look at a package that includes Alec Burleson. And right. like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. There, I, I know that there's, there's some fans that hate when I bring this up, but Tommy Edmond. You know, I get pushed back a lot of you know you're an idiot. Why would you trade Tommy Edmond? Because you want to trade for where for, from a strength. You want to trade from an area that you have to acquire an area that you don't have. Tommy Edmond and Brendan Donovan are very similar players. They're you they're they're guys that are ultra you know super utility guys. You can move them around. I don't want to trade Tommy Edmond if I have to make a trade to get pitching though. That is the that is the area in which I want to trade from. 
I don't want to trade Nolan Gorman. I don't have a bunch of power lefties in my organization. They're hard. They're they're hard to find. I don't want to trade Nolan Arenado. I I don't have a bunch of Nolan Arenados in my organization. Obviously, I want to trade from an area in which I feel good about replacing in order to get the pitcher. Some people just hear Tommy Edmond and say, he's, he's a great player. Why'd you trade him? If I have to make a deal, I've got Tommy Edmonds, hopefully within my organization. Yeah, Tommy Edmonds not untouchable for me. Like at all. No. I think the Cardinals kind of feel that way. Yeah. But I don't feel that way. And a quick question for you guys, both of you. Is uh, the, the opening drive last week, um, they're talking about acquiring Dylan Cease or Logan Gilbert. And I think Kerry asked Randy, would you rather trade... Nolan Gorman or Brendan Donovan? Mm-hmm. Who would you rather keep? And Randy said Brendan Donovan. Mm-hmm. I was in shock. You That's already a... have Brendan Donovan. Yeah. You might have him times two. Did he mention the back issues? I wonder he if did. Randy was thinking about the back He did problems. a little bit, but I'm thinking to myself, like a young left-handed power bat that mm-hmm. could end up being like a Kyle Schwarber. That's where I'm at. I don't want to give that up. He's, he's going to get you more, though. That's true, too. And this team has put themselves in a place where they have to either spend money or give up a player that they like and that fans like right. if they want to be successful. They can't keep doing this, well, let's let's put a little bit here, a little bit there, and expect to win the World Series. It does not work like that. You have to give something up, whether that's financials or it's or it's players. Like, you can't just keep going out there and doing the bare minimum and expecting to win. It just does not work like that. No, Marsha, I think you're absolutely right. I also don't want to make another bad decision to chase my bad decision. Like, I don't want to I don't want to make another mistake. I understand that. That That is where I'm at with Nolan Gorman. And he might not be a mistake, but, but let's just, again, from the standpoint of do I want to part with something that is difficult for my organization or any organization for that matter to cultivate in Nolan Gorman, a, a young, cost-control power lefty, do I want to trade that because I have blanked up many times when it comes to starting pitching? I don't want to compound a mistake by making another. I think the difference is, is that the guy, that at least the two that we just mentioned, have been proven major league talent. And we're thinking of Randy Rosarena right now. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what's coming to everybody's mind. They traded him away for a guy that was not proven at the major league level, and still has not been proven at the major league level. That is the difference. I, th- I yeah, think with the other two, you're getting a that's that's a just a straight up good trade. Sure, I think good GMs though can look at a situation and say that that happened then. That's that is one trade. Now, if it's a trend, that's when ownership has to step in. But let's let's cross sports. Let's talk about your your Vikings for a second, Marsh. Well, I'm always down to talk about them. You lose Kirk Cousins, right? Do you do you not go after a quarterback that's available because you think, you know, that quarterback stepping it it there's a long history of of examples of quarterbacks that are signed off the street or acquired midseason that don't pan out. For sure. I think you look at it and say, No, we need a quarterback. Can Josh Dobbs play in our system? Well, here's the thing, Josh Dobbs was not Right from the get-go, I don't know if he was the answer because they had Jaron Hall step up. Right. Only due to injury has Josh Dobbs taken over for that. You're welcome, by the way. You wouldn't have Josh Josh Dobbs without the Falcons. So I think we should just nix this Waffle House 
dealing. You know what I mean? You know what and I mean? I don't know. I don't you know. Wouldn't have done, you wouldn't have the greatness of Dobbs no, I don't had know the Falcons like that. not done what they did to that poor rookie. Huh. You know? It's interesting. Yeah, I don't. I mean, you make a solid point. Thank you. you make a solid point. But I think I think the Vikings smoked the Falcons, actually, if Jaron Hall's in. Well, eh, well, I guess we'll never know. I mean, he just went right down the field like it was nothing. He probably would have. Yeah, he probably would have. I'm just saying, think about it, and uh, you know, we'll take a thank you anytime you're ready. Well, let's look at let's look at the Jets, though. The Jets, what are they doing? They didn't go out and get anybody. No. Well, and they got they, Trevor they Simeon, s- but they say, yeah, they're, they're we'd rather with watch guy. Zach Wilson throw interceptions. And he stinks. By the way, watching that game last night, did anybody Ugh. else? Did anybody else just? I I just felt it. I go, this he's gonna throw a pick. He's gonna throw a pick. He is going. I don't care how good he looks on this last drive. I'm waiting for that. There it is. Anthony. Like you just know he's gonna throw an interception. I tuned in. It was six to three. Yeah, real barn burner. Then like I don't even know how long after that was nine to six. I was like, blank this. I said, what do we want to watch? I'm not watching this crap I did the same thing. Freaking Raiders, man. I Raiders out, and Jets, prime oh, time. Walked out terrible. to my living room. The game was on. Because at first I'm like, eh, I don't really want to watch this game. I'll check back in. I'll check back and see what the score yeah. is around before mm-hmm. halftime. Just, just to check it out. If it's a good game, hey, I'll sit down. I'll watch it. I sat down on my couch, TV on, just crushing phone. I did not spend one second looking at that game. It got to a point in my house where uh, McKinnon, my 14-year-old daughter, was wanting to watch something on TV. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and I said, sure, yeah. anything you want. She goes, okay, well, I'm going to pull up YouTube. There's these two guys that listen to Taylor Swift songs and they, oh, go, boy. And they go over the lyrics and oh. talk about the lyrics. I said, you know what? Look back at the TV. It's 9-6. Go, go for it. I'm in. <laughs> Go for so it, kid. Ashley and that I sat there exciting. with McKinnon, and we watched these two dudes talk about Break Taylor Swift lyrics. lyrics, and wow. it was better than the Jets Raiders. I believe that. I believe that. <laughs> well, what did you learn? Oh, she's got some pretty good lyrics, man. Okay. Hey, uh, did you hear the latest lyrics here? Oh, the changing of the song. Yeah, I thought that, that was kind of cringy. I'm not going to lie. Oh, wow. Okay. I thought it was kind of cringy. <sighs> I did. I saw the video. Mm-hmm. Like her dad is celebrating with Travis Kelsey the new lyrics. I was like, oh, guys, come well, on. She's celebrating like, with his parents now. You know, <laughs> it's like puked a little in my mouth. Narrative reality next in the Let's fast lane. Ready for the next game? I want to want ESPN. We're right back to the fast lane podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's do a little narrative or reality here in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. What do you got for us, Marsh? All right, first one. Narrative or reality? Michigan is now America's team <laughs> since everyone loves an underdog. Oh, my God. So it's uh, a narrative. However, if you listen to Jim Harbaugh, it's a reality. <laughs> this guy could run for president. He's taking a very um, difficult situation. What would you call it? A, uh, you call that hurdle? Uh, no, no, it's a uh, shoot. The word eludes me right now. Where it's just a problem, like bad publicity. Yeah. So, and he's spinning it into like mm-hmm. Michigan is the victim. Mm-hmm. They're the underdog. <laughs> they need to be America's team. Mm-hmm. Like what? Like 
Yeah. It's like totally ignoring the facts that you stole signs. Like, right. everybody might be doing it. Fine. But you went to extensive lengths to do it. Yeah. And do I personally give a crap? No, I don't. I don't because I believe that other teams are doing it too. But you can't sit there at the podium and tell me that you're America's team, you're the underdog, and everybody should be rooting for you. It's almost genius. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost genius, Jamie. Scandal. That's the word I was looking Scandal. for. Scandal. Scandalous. Just, just got in there. Yeah. No, this is, hey, this is on you. You should start rooting for me now. That's what go he's blue. doing. Yeah, go for him. Well, his team looked fantastic again. We called that one on Friday. Hmm. How about their coaches? Mm-hmm. How about their coaches' post-game comments? These, the, the, James Franklin, <laughs> Penn State. <laughs> see, no, did oh, you the, not see Michigan? No, the, Michigan. The uh, intro. Uh, he goes, I, I, I love you. I effing love that guy. <laughs> That's our effing coach. <laughs> like right on the air. Kind of crying. I was like, what? What's going on it's here? A big right win now? in Happy Valley. You're good now. <sighs> You weren't impressed, Marsh? I just don't like Michigan. Okay. Oh, that's simple as that. I don't like them. It's beautiful in the summers. We have two America's teams now, apparently. And they both are filled with delusional fans. Wow. Holy smokes. Am I wrong? Well, I don't know if the fans are delusional. No, that's what makes makes the Cowboys so... I was talking about Michigan. Hateable. Yeah, Michigan, I don't don't know if they're delusional. I know a lot of Michigan grads and pretty good people. Yeah. Oh, I'm not saying they're bad people. I'm just oh, saying just delusional, delusional you know? sports fans. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, I can't really Cowboys say much. I'm a Vikings can, fan, but... Cowboys I can give you. Michigan's but. the same thing, though. What have they done? Um, They made the college football playoff last year. Great. What was the score? <laughs> Who did they play? <laughs> they lost to TCU. How are they doing this year? Not great. Ah, they were juggernaut last I year. I rest my case. <laughs> I'm sorry to all the Michigan fans out there. You're so number you, two on this list. So you hate the Cowboys. You yes. hate Michigan. Yeah. Who else do you hate in that same vein? Um, like the Maple Leafs? No, I don't really care about the Maple Leafs. They're always going to be a joke. Same with the Oilers. They'll never win. So there's not really a team that is like that in hockey? In hockey? What if the, the Bruins? Maple Leafs. <laughs> that's what I said. I wonder if the, if it's the Maple Leafs. I mean, maybe, maybe the Bruins. Maybe not. I don't know. I think Boston fans in general are so full of themselves. Oh wow! Like if the Bruins lose in the first round again this year, have a have an epic regular season. That'd be hilarious. And get bounced again. Like, can we put the Bruins in that category? Nah, I don't know. I don't no. know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we put them in that category. Just because they've won somewhat. They've won recently. Yeah, I mean, somewhat recently, and certainly they've had a really good team for a long time. That's kind of the point, though, right? I guess you could throw the Maple Leafs in there. Like, the Maple Leafs are the Dallas Cowboys of the NHL. Yeah. Oh, they absolutely are. But, like, in, on, like, a list, find a list, like, they'd probably they'd be under the Cowboys. Okay. Like, I just, Everybody's like, under the Cowboys for Marshy. Mm-hmm. We like understand Cowboys, your hatred. I don't... I just don't... Who's your favorite Cowboys player? CeeDee Lynn. So you do like the Cowboys? I like when they help my fantasy <laughs> football team. It's got to be a fantasy <laughs> thing. I just think the it's the fans. It's the fans. Mm-hmm. That, and I think that's for everybody, though. Like, Chicago fans, when they're on Twitter and they're like, ha-ha, you know, Yadier Molina threw a ball past the third baseman. It's like, Yadier Molina is better than every single player on your team, and he's been gone for half the year. <laughs> and he just hit a home run. Like, this was a few years ago, of course. It's like, <laughs> what has your team done in the last 100 years? You have one World Series of show. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just... Fans irk me. Anyways, narrative reality. I like it. 
The cards will change their ways if they miss the playoffs once again. Why wow, they got to miss the playoffs again to change their ways? No, I, I, here's, here's the thing. Are they changing ownership? Because I don't think owners change that much. They can. It's possible. But there's got to be something to when a team starts to starts to win or starts to lose, lose in a certain way, win in a certain way. I think it starts up top and then trickles down. We see that in companies. Yeah. And I don't think it's that different organizational-wise. I don't think if you don't change, if the ownership doesn't change, then nothing's going to change. You know what? I agree with you. Unless, unless, like they make a move at the present, at the Pobo position, and they say, we're going to go with someone different, and they bring in somebody that has just the resume. And that person pushes back on mm-hmm. the ownership. But he's hired because the ownership respects him and the, what he's been able to do. And so maybe he's got a little more leeway to push back or to demand you know, certain things. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's tough to change ownership's mind. However, you'd have to imagine if there's another year like it was last year or similar to last year, ownership's going to want to make a lot of changes. Yeah. Well, we'll find out. Last one here. Narrative or reality, the next 10 games for the Blues will decide what kind of team they'll be for the rest of the season. That's a narrative. I don't think I, I this is I think we get caught up, especially in hockey and baseball, course of 82 games and then 162 games. I think we tend to ride streaks too much. Cause in baseball, it's like if if you lose if you drop eight of ten, they're the worst team ever. You gotta tra- you gotta trade everybody. If they win eight of ten, uh, wow, this team could win a World Series. And it's similar in hockey. I, I think that we gotta ride the streaks out. Mm-hmm. I don't know when we'll f- we'll have a really good sense of what this team is. Jamie, maybe you have a better thought on that, but let's just let, let's go to Mizzou for for example. Mizzou when they beat South Dakota and Middle Tennessee, do we change our thoughts on Mizzou? No. Even when they beat Kansas State, did we say we know what Kansas we we know what Mizzou is? I I didn't. Maybe somebody else had a better eye for it, but I didn't. Memphis, Vanderbilt. It wasn't until the LSU game where I thought, oh, this is not the same Mizzou program that's going to be paper tigers in big, bigger games. Like, they gave LSU everything yeah. and should have won. That is when my perception of Mizzou changed. That was one, two, three, four, five, six, six weeks in. So we're talking about almost half the way through a college season. I'm like, I know what this Mizzou team is now. And again, that's just my own personal thing, but yeah. it's certainly with the Blues, going back to the Blues, it's not going to be the next 10 games where I say, oh, yeah, I know what this team is. No, I don't think it's going to define the season, but if we just look at the next nine games for the Blues, they've got Tampa, which could be a tough game. Mm-hmm. San Jose, winnable. L.A., tough game. Ducks, winnable. Coyotes, winnable. Predators, winnable. Blackhawks, winnable. Wild, winnable. Buffalo, winnable. So the next nine games, you could potentially have seven wins. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's defining, but boy, it looks good in the standings. I think it. I think it matters more early in the season how you're winning and losing, as opposed to the opponent. I think we get caught up in the opponent. No, I, I'm just looking at the opponent as 
right now the winnable games. Now the key is they have to be winning those games. Mm-hmm. You have to play to your you know your ability to win those games, but if we're looking for something to define the season and those are all a lot of those teams are in your division too. You have the Predators, the Coyotes, Blackhawks, sure. you're starting to bury some people too. Yeah. So next 9 games are not defining the Blues, but certainly, you know, they're important. I'm going to ask Jamie about something. I'm going to bring it on air. I gave him a heads up a couple of segments ago. I said, you know, I had this thought, Jamie. How crazy is this? And Jamie looked at me and said, you're crazy. Just not now. <laughs> we'll bring that on air. Next, I want to win ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Jamie, the second games against the Arizona Coyotes and the Colorado Avalanche have gone, how do I put this, uh, much better than the previous previous games. Yes. Is there anything to that? Uh, yeah, when you get waxed, you kind of hold that in your memory bank a little bit. You know, what like, about system wise, systems wise? Uh, I like don't think changing up, well, changing things up. So one thing for sure, if you look back at the Arizona game, the very first game, uh, the Blues got worked on their penalty kill. So the Coyotes' power play went to work, and they had a very um, clear way of doing business, mm-hmm. and they beat the Blues with the same thing three times. And so you look at that from a coaching standpoint. And you go, okay, let's not do that anymore. Let's Here's change an idea. this. And they did. And the second go-around was obviously much more successful. But there is a certain amount of anger that you keep you know, inside because you don't like to ever get shown up by a team. And each team that you play, a lot of times there's more to the story. And with Arizona, you know, there's some players that were – running around a little bit, that Liam O'Brien running around, and they were scoring goals, and the whole Clayton Keller show, and back in his hometown, which he's a fantastic player. I, Clayton Keller's an awesome dude. Yeah. But it, it's always a little bit of a pain in the butt to hear the talk about it or to read the headlines of, like, hometown boy crushes blues. You're like, okay, really? I don't really like that feeling. You know, let's try and change that next time. Mm-hmm. And then with the Avs, it just goes back the, the last handful of years. This is a rivalry that's kind of been in the making. And certainly the, the 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 tip of the iceberg is Kadri running into Bennington, injuring his knee, and then the water bottle being thrown at Kadri during an interview and all. Like it has been hyped up a little bit. And then you go into Colorado, you play a a so so first period, a really good second period, and then you make two mistakes in the third and it costs you. Yeah. It's hard to stomach that. When you hate an opponent, as far as you know, on the ice, when you hate the opponent that you're playing against and you give up two goals or lose like that, it's it, it it wears on you. So then getting a shot at these guys again in rather quick fashion, that's like the best thing for you. Mm-hmm. And the Blues didn't take the easy path against the Coyotes. We know they went 0 for 7 on the power play. <clears throat> if, the, if they score one goal, at least it's a two-goal win. Like, you're not hanging on for life at the end of that one. Yeah. But... They made it dramatic. Whatever they came up with a big win, a gutsy effort. And, you know, and then the Colorado game, 
that was good right away. Now you, you established your game early. You got a big push by the Avalanche. You got great goaltending by Jordan Bennington. Then your special teams went to work, scored some goals in the penalty kill, got some power play goals, got some guys that are off the schneid. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah, there is something to it, and it's not necessarily systems-based because otherwise you'd be changing your systems every game. Yeah, you can't really do that, right? You can't do that. you you got to become a creature of habit to where, you know, people talked about the Blues system overall, and it usually does take, you know, 8 to 12 games to kind of – like, figure out how you're going to play your system comfortably. And if you look at the Blues, you know, I believe it was game number nine was against the New Jersey Devils. And things changed mm-hmm. there for the Blues. Because the narrative was like, oh, this defensive system, you'll never score. How can you score if you're just defending all the time? Well, since the New Jersey Devils game, the Blues are the highest scoring team in the NHL. Now, I know they have the eight goals against Colorado, but that was Colorado. And I know the argument is, well, they're not playing well lately. Uh, have you seen their roster? The roster's still really good. Yeah, they didn't swap with San Jose That's for that right. for that game. That's right. Yeah. You put it to them. So, for me, it's just, you know, guys remembering certain things. And there are certain aspects of the game where you do change a couple of strategies, maybe on face-offs. You notice the other team doing something a little more regularly. Like, that's where you can kind of tweak some things. Special teams, do you can tweak some things. But your overall, like, your blueprint, your foundation of systems, that really doesn't change from game to game. Yeah. Whatever it is, it certainly looks a hell of a lot better the, 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 this in game two. So if they did make small adjustments, small tweaks, or learn something in, in the previous games, obviously it worked out. Well, and two, let's remember, those games ended up coming after the New Jersey Devil game. Mm-hmm. And so I'm using that right now as my my landmark because I felt like that New Jersey Devils team is a really quick, skilled, young team playing very well, albeit, you know, Hughes got hurt in the first period, but doesn't matter. You know, he, he was still there for a good portion of the first period. And I, if since that game, they've had the one speed bump against the Winnipeg Jets. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, you know, a gem, but that's going to happen. But the rest of it has been just progressively getting better and better and better each game. Yeah. That's Jamie Rivers from Anthony Stalter. we got the gauntlet coming up next. We have another gauntlet playoff contender that will take on either Marsh, Jamie, or myself next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Warriors, four categories, one challenger. Can you master the gauntlet? Brought to you by Master, your hometown source for business communications for more than 30 years. Visit Mastor.com. All right, time for the gauntlet here in the fast lane on 101 ESPN 402. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. It is the gauntlet playoffs this week here in the fast lane, or actually uh, for the next couple of weeks. And our latest champion to return is Fred. What's up, Fred? Just living the dream. Good stuff, Fred. So who who did you beat to win your your trophy? Uh, the final person I beat was BT, actually. Ah, 
Okay. All right. Good stuff. Damn it, Brad. <sighs> Brad. <laughs> that's, why, that's why he's off this show. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> um, all right, Fred. So this is how this is going to work. We, we're changing things up a little bit for the playoffs. You have your choice. You can either choose your opponent and let the wheel choose the category, or you can choose the category and have the wheel choose your opponent. The caveat is, whatever you choose, if you advance, you have to stick with that side. If you choose your category and it's baseball, for example, you can't do baseball again. So this is it's a unique gauntlet for the playoffs. I will definitely pick my category. Okay. What category would you like to choose? Uh, is it baseball, hockey, random? Is that Base, Baseball, hockey, random, or football? Let's go football. Okay, so you're choosing football, so we know the category is football. Now, let's sp- let's have Marsh spin the wheel to find out who your opponent is today. Go ahead, Fred. Tell Marsh to spin that wheel. Spin that wheel, Marsh. Here we go. So, so far, Marsh has played, I think, what, three times now? Yeah. Marsh, three times so Marsh far. Marsh has played three times. Jamie played once? I think once, yeah. Ooh. Jamie has played, uh, he's going to play twice. Make that twice. So, Jamie, the wheel chose Jamie today in foosball. I love football. I, I know you do, buddy. I know you what? do. All right, get out of here. Go to the cone of silence. We're going right. to talk to Fred first. All right, good luck, Fred. Thanks. All right, so Fred, you know he's that... supposed to say good luck back. Come no, on, Fred. He's, nah, he's getting in your head now. Yeah. Oh, All right, uh, Marsh, you got the launch codes. Here we go. So, Fred, as you know, you're going to get four football questions today. Jamie's going to get the same four football questions. If you need the options, no problem. But those questions become worth one point instead of two. Fred, are you ready? Oh yeah. Question number one. Which running back leads the NFL in rushing touchdowns this season with 11? Which running back in the NFL leads the league in rushing touchdowns with 11? Let's go Christian McCaffrey. Final answer? Uh, yes. Question number two. Currently in the AP Top 25, who is the highest ranked college football team that isn't undefeated or undefeated as Anthony likes to say <laughs> Alabama's got a loss Texas beat Alabama and they only got one loss let's go Texas final answer yes All right, Fred, question three. Who is the only player to ever win the Heisman Trophy twice? Oh, my God. It's not Herschel Walker. Or is it Herschel Walker? He's going to be one of the options. I'm confident of that. Uh, Let's let's just... uh, hmm. Can I have the options? Sure. And good thing you ask, because Herschel Walker's not an option. Here's, here's your options. Matt Leinert, Bo Jackson, Archie Griffin. Uh, Archie Griffin. Final answer? Yep. Final question. Who was the first player to win back-to-back Super Bowl MVPs? <sighs> 
John Elway comes in my... Uh, can I have the option, please? Options are Terry Bradshaw, Bart Starr, or Roger Staubach. Um, let's go Roger. Final answer? Yeah, I don't think Terry was slinging all over the place, so let's go. Let's go Roger. All right. Well, welcome back, Jamie, from the Cone of Silence. Fred, how you feeling? You know, about fitty-fitty, I suppose. Okay. All right. Well, let's see how Jamie's feeling today. He's on the hop, that's for sure. Got his let's red, go, dirt, cheap. Yeah, fun, fun. Yeah, polo on. He's ready to go. Yeah, please visit any dirt cheap location. Download the app today. Tell them Jamie River sent you. There you go. All right, Jamie, as you know, categories <laughs> football. Are you ready? No. Okay. I need my pen. Here we go. Question number one. Which running back leads the NFL in rushing touchdowns this season with 11? Wow. Seven. 11. 11. That helps me. <laughs> Options, please. 7 11. Open all the time. Raheem Mostert, Christian McCaffrey, Gus Edwards. It's my guy, Raheem. Let's go, baby. Final answer. Question number two. Currently in the AP Top 25, who is the highest ranked college football team that isn't undefeated? Okay. That isn't undefeated oh wow I haven't looked at the current rankings today uh, isn't undefeated Oregon is right there and they're not undefeated quack 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 Oregon final answer all right question three who's the only player to ever win the Heisman Trophy Twice. You think this would be easy? It isn't. Twice. Twice. Options, please. Matt Leinert, Bo Jackson, Archie Griffin. Uh, Matt Leinert. Final answer. Final question. Son of a- Who was the first player to win back-to-back Super Bowl MVPs? Back-to-back Super Bowl MVPs. <sighs> Options, please. Options are Terry Bradshaw, Bart Starr, or Roger Staubach. Okay. <sighs> Bart Starr. Oh, the Bart Starr Award is prestigious, too. we got to remember that. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Roger Staubach, Terry Bradshaw. Oh, my God. Terry Bradshaw won a whole bunch of them. you think the odds would be there. I'll go with our guy, Terry Bradshaw. Final answer. All right, let's go through these. Uh, Fred back for his return. uh, Gauntlet playoffs. Jamie, his second playoff gauntlet. How did they do? Let's go over these. Who's the first player to win back-to-back Super Bowl MVPs? Fred, with the options, you went with Roger Staubach, 
Jamie, with the options, you went Terry Bradshaw. Correct answer is... Well, they didn't name an award Bart. after him for nothing. <laughs> Bart Starr! Bart Starr! The Bart Starr Award! And I almost... I honestly almost <laughs> just said it because... Son of a... Zero-zero between Fred and Jamie. Who is the only player to ever win the Heisman Trophy twice? Jamie, you went Matt Leinert. Fred, you went Archie Griffin. Oh. Correct answer is... It is Archie Griffin. It is, of course, Archie Griffin. Ohio State. The Ohio State University. Uh, but Fred did need, the, did need the option, so Fred's got a one nothing lead over Jamie. Which running back leads the NFL in rushing touchdowns this season with 11? Fred, you went Christian McCaffrey. Without the options. Jamie, you went Raheem Mostert. With the options. Correct answer is... It is Raheem Mostert. It is Raheem Mostert. You would think with Christian McCaffrey scoring damn near every every game, except for yesterday. Now they let him get all the way to the end zone, then they give somebody else. <laughs> That's not true. Yeah. There's a documentary on is something that, so? that happened like that, where yeah. they had a running oh. back. It's a high school team. Hmm. They used to get them all the way down the field, and then they'd give it to somebody else. That makes sense. Yeah. Either way, Jamie has now tied the score. It comes down to this. Last question between Fred and Jamie. Currently in the AP Top 25, who is the highest-ranked college football team that isn't undefeated? Neither of you took the options. Not that it matters because you're tied. You have different answers. Jamie, you went with Oregon. Fred, you went with Texas. If it's Texas, Fred wins. If it's Oregon, Jamie wins. If it's the other option, which is Alabama, then we have a walk-off. Fred. You have chosen poorly. You lose! It is the Oregon Ducks! The Oregon Ducks are the highest-ranked college football team with one loss. Jamie beats Fred today 3-1. to because Jamie did not need the options on that Oregon pick. Fred, I'm sorry. Jamie got you today. Yep. Better man won today. <laughs> Maybe next year, right? Maybe next time. That's right. Fred, thanks for listening, pal. Have a good one. You Take too. care, buddy. All right. Nice job, Jamie. Nice job. Oh, man. I thought I was toast. I thought I was toast. You did what? well. I thought you well. We did. Marsh and I knew you won after question two. But, uh, yeah. Only because you. I had to think about that. And, you know, like. College football, and I was like, "Oh my God, the Ducks are right there. They're right behind Washington, yeah, and they've got a loss." I would have Washington. I would have gotten that one, but Texas, Texas is a good guess too, because I think Texas. Is I was right worried when he said that because I haven't looked at the the polls yet. Yeah, like, yeah. I was like, "Oh, Oregon wow. handled business, though." I thought you were going to say "quack quack quack," Mister Bigglesworth. Quack quack, Mister Bigglesworth. That's right. <laughs> That's my version. Yeah, That's yeah. your version. Yeah. Exactly. All right, we have uh, Craig Berube coming up in 15 minutes. Again, bottom of the hour, Craig Berube of your St. Louis Blues will join us. Let's uh, let's jump back into football. Some of the observations that we had from yesterday. What did we learn? What did we learn about the Sunday games? It's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. So what did we learn about yesterday in the NFL? What, what did we learn? If you, were, if you were to say, all right, what is the number one thing that I learned about a team or a player 
Hmm. What was the number one thing? Or one thing. It doesn't have to be the number one. I think one there's thing. almost like one thing per game, to mm-hmm. be honest. I'll, I'll start with the with the mustache of Arthur Smith not actually deciding whether or not they can win a football game. That guy no, sucks yeah. as a coach, by the yeah. way. Yep. That's like I have no axe to grind. The Falcons, Anthony, I like to poke fun at you. Yeah. But I don't like dislike the Fal like the Falcons. Yeah, they're at irrelevant. All. They're they're NFL irrelevancy. But watching Arthur Smith coach and then watching him at press conferences makes me want to oh I don't know do something I shouldn't. Yeah, I, I can't well stand said. the way he speaks to the media, mm-hmm. his responses, and then his coaching is just atrocious. It's it is absolutely atrocious. I'll give you a small example, and we'll move on. You know, when you watch these games, Jamie, yeah, you watch the Eagles, for example, the the brotherly shove, right? It's foolproof. Get the quarterback who squats 6,000 pounds and you move him forward, right? Uh, you watch some of these other games. Last night, in fact, was it last night? Last night's game? You watch that? Uh, couldn't have been last night's game. No, it was. It was the Ra- it was. It was the Raiders. They lined up as they were going to do the, the, the uh, tush, tush push. Instead, they had like an Enderon built in. So everybody's jam-packed. They well, go, they the go opposite. Did. did you not see that a couple weeks okay, ago? Okay, so the Raiders Eagles, stole it from the Eagles. Because everybody thought for sure the tush push was coming. Yeah. And they lined up, and then they had one guy just flank out. There you go. So the Raiders did that same play. Actually, it, was, it wasn't a pass. It was it was an end around. Oh. Either way, you see some imagination, right? Mm. This is what Falcons did. All Artie Smith. He had Desmond Ritter line up under center. Didn't do anything but a QB sneak. You know what Desmond Ritter did, right? He fell. <laughs> Fourth and one. Key moment in the game. He fell. He slipped. He slipped. Gave the Cardinals the ball right back. No imagination. No nothing. Why do I feel like... let's put the ball in his hand. I would have rather had B. John Robinson line up 15 yards back. I don't care. Typically, you don't line up that far. I'd rather have that and have him full head of steam than that. You know what I picture when I look at the Falcons? I picture Desmond Ritter. He's up at the podium following the game. And... Somebody comes running up and, like, puts their hand on his head. And when they pull on his hair, it's a mask that pops off. Like Scooby-Doo. And it's Marcus Mariota. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I fooled you all. I never left. <laughs> and I would have gotten away with it, too. <laughs> it wasn't for you pesky kids. That's awesome. All right. Uh, let's let's move on here. Let's, let's talk about, like, meaningful games. We talked a little bit about the Texans and the Bengals, right? It, I'm, I'm serious. Not, I mean. It, Yo, wait. Can we go to a non-meaningful game for a second? What do you want? I have to vent. Hey, Which one? Bill Belichick. Oh, oh my gosh. Dude. What in the blank are we doing? Like, I, I I had Bill's back. Kerry Davis, Super Bowl champion, tells me that Bill Belichick should be on the hot seat. Yeah. And I said, you're crazy. We had a heated discussion. I stood in there and I dug my heels in for you, Bill. And not only do you just not really fix your quarterback position, because I know you can't. You get these are the two guys you're given, right? Mm-hmm. But he goes for Mac Jones for the entire game until the very most important drive of the game, and then mm-hmm. I'm going to throw in a guy who hasn't played. Mm-hmm. Hey, Bill, what did you think was going to happen? What do you think was going? To, and then Bailey Zappi's like, "Oh, you should have zigged when you zagged. <laughs> He's given that one. Well, no, nobody even knows who you are, buddy. You haven't taken first team reps in how long?" A year. That's Bill's fault. Well, it's not Bailey Zappi's fault. Earlier this year, I it's guess. Bill's fault. Yeah. Who the hell does that, Anthony? Tell me why Bill Belichick would do that. Because he watched Mac Jones throw an interception so inside it, what, the red zone. And so you're going to go to the you're going to QB you're going two. To, you're going to Mac Jones light in the two month, two minute <laughs> drill. 
This one, right? Yeah. You're going to Mac Jones light. Unbelievable. I think it's ironic that Mac Jones threw a horrible pick uh, in the red zone. Bill says, I've seen enough. He goes to Mac Jones light, who throws an interception. Uh, that team's terrible. I mean, absolutely terrible. I was in disbelief when I saw it. So I'm sorry. I had to vent. No, you're you're fine, man. You're fine. Um, I think what we learned with Marshy's Vikings is that they're a playoff team. And I think we also learned that the Saints, if they're losing, Derek Carr is going to get injured. Do you notice <laughs> He's that? so bad. Do you notice that? Like, oh, when he does that one. Ooh, my arm. When they're losing, I know it's a, it's a legit injury. I'm I mean, sure he it is. Got he, got, he got smoked. I'm sure a it's a great le- hit. Here's the thing about Derek Carr. Great hit. Don't you feel like when the Saints are down by double digits, he's like, "I'm out. I'm out of here." He's no fool. No. <laughs> Can I be honest though for a second? When Jameis Winston came in, you were a little nervous. I was a little nervous. They started to come back, and then I realized it's famous Jameis. It was twenty-seven to three. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I don't uh, need but, this to happen. Yeah. It has happened. It has, it happened, has before. happened before. Yeah, I can't to remember to, to be exact. It works. Yeah, I can't remember what game that was. But uh, uh, so what we learned: Vikings are wild card team. <laughs> no, we don't need. It. Listen, I, I don't. I don't remember what it is. I don't want to Google it right now. We're in the middle of a show. I can't remember what game it was. So hey, we'll move forward for time purposes, Anthony. Yeah. You're right. We'll just keep it moving. Hey, Thank don't you. count them out of the division for the for the division lead. There you go. Uh, don't count them out. Anybody surprised? I, I I wasn't I wasn't necessarily surprised. I thought that Lions Chargers game was highly entertaining. I am a little surprised that the Chargers were able to move the ball as effectively it's a on, good on the Lions. Though. It is, but they're very one dimensional. By the way, did you see that the final play to get the Lions into field goal position was the exact same play that Jacksonville used on? The Chargers to eliminate them. Oh wow, was it? That's salt in the wounds. Really? I, I didn't see it, that. I saw it on. I saw the play, but it didn't dawn on me it was the same play. I saw it on old X Twitter here, Twitter X, however. Really? You want to do it? Yeah. The Lions pulled up the exact same play wow. and beat them with it. And I also saw something else here. I wish I could. Uh, I wish I could find it now, but it had that uh, Brandon Staley, defensive coach. Allowed like 475 yards again on this team. Well, hey, here's here's. I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking off the top of my head. Yeah. Do you remember week one when Brandon Staley said, uh, "You know, Tyree. I've heard of Tyree Kill, but I don't think we need to really game plan for him." And Tyree Kill went off. Here it is. It says. Um, Defensive guru Brandon Staley's team gave up over 475 yards. For the fourth time, fourth time this season. Fourth time this season. Here's an idea. Nowhere Amon Ross St. Brown's going to be lined up. It's typically the slot. In fact, it's always the slot. Try to get some defenders around him. He had a career high 156 yards and eight touchdowns. And if anybody saw the game, he was wide-ass open like all on, every, on all those eight catches. You would think... That a defensive guru like Brandon Staley might want to know where that guy's lined up. Nah. That's bad. Well, it helps uh, the Lions that David Montgomery's healthy. He looked good he looked yesterday. 75-yard yep. so run Gibbs. for Tutty. Gibbs looked good. Gibbs they're, looked they're explosive. Scary they're yes. a scary team. I think for them, I think they are their own worst enemy when it comes to whether or not they're going to make a deep run in the playoffs. I could see that. I also think if you're going to talk about their own worst enemy, there's no team that beats the Ravens. They are their own worst enemy. Mm-hmm. I mentioned this before. The Ravens have three losses. None of their opponents beat them. Not a one. 
They handed the game to the Steelers. They handed the game to the Browns. They handed the game to the Colts. <laughs> it's unbelievable. That is the best team that doesn't want to win sometimes that I have ever seen. They you, were pounding Cleveland. Are you going to ask Chief about it? No, 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 no. We'll stick to the positives with Chief because his Blues pounded <laughs> the Avalanche on Saturday. <laughs> Chief next in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 101 ESPN Sports Center. I'm Andrew Marsh. It's time for a Sports Center update, driven by Johnny Londoff Chevrolet and Johnny Londoff Autoplex. The Blues defeated the Avalanche over the weekend by a final score of 8 to 2. They'll take on the Tampa Bay Lightning tomorrow. Pre-game starts at 6. Puck drop is at 7. You can catch all the action right here on 101 ESPN. We're going to talk to Blues head coach Craig Berube coming up next right here in the fast lane. Don't go anywhere. I'm Andrew Marsh, and this Sports Center update is driven by Johnny Londoff. Find new roads and shop 24-7 at Londoff.com and LondoffAutoplex.com. Are you kidding me? Time now for Chatting with the Chief with a coach of your St. Louis Blues, Craig Berube. Brought to you by Fisher Window and Door. Your Marvin dealer with showrooms in Brentwood and East Alton, Illinois. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. Let's head to our 101 ESPN celebrity line. We're joined by the head coach of your St. Louis Blues, Craig Berube. Blues coming off the impressive 8-2 victory over the Avalanche. Chief, how you doing today? Hey, good. How are you guys? We're doing great. We love watching you guys play on Saturday. I'm sure uh, that was that was great for uh, your players as well. Uh, the power play. Let's start there. What has looked? What has been different about the power play? over the last couple of games compared to early on where that unit was struggling? Well, I'd say, um, you know, last game, I mean, other we scored a couple, which is, you know, what we want to do. But, you know, I think they just they moved better. The flow was better. You know, there's still things that, you know, it's going to take time. we got to keep working on it. And it's still, you know, lots to improve upon. But, uh, you know, it was a big goal, that goal coming out in the third period. I thought it really, you know, did a that goal really helped us seal the win there right away and give us some confidence going in that third period, even though we were up, you know. We didn't want to sit back in that third period. We wanted to get after them, and that's what the PP did, and they set the tone, I thought, for the third period. Coach, you guys uh, had a couple of good starts here recently, right away in the first period. Uh, you know, specifically – against the Avs on Saturday, it looks like you it looked like you guys were making a real conscious effort to manage the puck real well and get out on the four check. Is that something you guys are looking to do? Oh, definitely. I think you you know, we wanna our mindset is the first ten minutes, get it deep, put it behind him and go to work. And just, you know, even even if you might think you got a play to make, put it in, go to work. Put it in, go to work, sets us up, gets us involved in the game. I think it uh, puts the other team on their heels right away, and it's been successful, so why stop? You guys get the first goal against the Avs uh, on Saturday night, which was great. I know you guys like playing with the lead. But following that, I mean, the Avs, they came back with a really big push offensively, but Jordan Bennington was there to stand tall for you guys. What do you think of Benner's performance on Saturday? Yeah, it was real good. I thought you're right. They made a push. They had some opportunities. Um 
you know, power play. They got a power player too and had some opportunities, but Benner was really solid making those saves, which, you know, it really, you know, gives us momentum. Coach, how important is it for you guys to have a great one-two tandem like you do right now currently in Bennington and Hofer? They're both playing very well. Um, they both seem to be this good chemistry there, good teammates, obviously. You know, what does that do for your group? Well, it's huge, and I think, you know, you know, you're not wearing down one goalie. There's so many games. You look at all the games here coming up, and, you know, every month from now on, it's just packed with games. So you have that combination. Your goalies stay fresh and rested, and I think your team feeds a little bit differently on each goalie, which is okay. Um you know, they're not the same goalie. So, um, we're, you know, we're right now it's going real well that way with that one-two punch. And, you know, that's, that'll be a big, uh, a big deal here throughout the season. Coach Craig Berube joining us right now on the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Chief Colton Pareko, shorthanded assist, three block shots, two hits, two shots on goal, plus two rating, helped out on Pavel Buchnevich's two of the three goals for him. Has there been a time since you became head coach that Colton Pareko has – I know he's played well before, but has he played this well for you? Uh, yeah, he has before. I mean, it's, you know, last year was a down year for him. You know, I think you look at the year before that, he was pretty darn good again. Here we won the Cup. I mean, he's had some real good seasons, obviously. Um, but he's having another one right now. I mean, he's doing so many good things out there. And it's like you don't have to look on the score sheet to see the points because that's not where it's about with him. It's about the defending part, killing plays, penalty kill, you know, all that kind of stuff that he's doing. Um, you know, he, he's just he's on his toes every shift and skating extremely well right now and really doing a good job with uh, reading plays and killing plays for me. Coach, shots on goal are up for you guys. Attempts specifically, uh, you know, why is that? What did you? If, what did you guys change? If you've changed anything at all? Not a lot, change wise. You know, we did some different. Um, you know, talking about some different looks in the offensive zone and what we could do a little bit better, and I think that we're doing that. But one, we're hitting the net a lot more in our shots, which is key. And puck recoveries and, you know, getting the puck back off shots and then, you know, getting another shot again from making a play or low to high to the D. Our D are looking to shoot a lot more, which really helps a lot because, you know, they, they're getting it through on that. Now there's a rebound. Maybe we get an opportunity off a rebound, but it's those puck recoveries. And, you know, then we're extending our ozone time. Coach, uh, Pavel Buchnevich, he, he posted the hat trick on Saturday night, six shots. I mean, this when he has played, boy, he has, he has been remarkable. But he hasn't scored since October 24th. How good is it to have a, a happy Pavel Buchnevich around the locker room as opposed to one that's ready to stab somebody? <laughs> well, it's a little bit better. But, uh, I don't want him to get too happy. So, you know, I want him to be motivated again tomorrow and have a little uh, – you know, you know, mean juice in him tomorrow for the game, sir. But no, it was great to see him get a hat trick. Like I said, he's worked really hard and he's had opportunities. They just haven't went in, you know. But you know, he's doing all the little things for me, like he shuns goal, he's screening the goalie on the power play, his 
defensive play has been outstanding. His penalty killing. You know, those are the type of things that maybe go unnoticed. And, you know, people are looking at the score sheet all the time, but it's not all about the score sheet. You know, it's all the other stuff that he does. He's a valuable, valuable player, whether, you know, we want him to score and we need him to score, but that's not what it's all about for him. Chief, a good friend of ours, Ken Hitchcock, goes into the Hockey Hall of Fame, and I know you know him very well. I, I knew Hitch for quite a while here in St. Louis, and I don't know if there's anybody with more knowledge about the game of hockey, past, present, or future even, than Ken Hitchcock, but... You know, what did a guy like Hitch mean to you throughout your career? Uh, a lot. I had him as a, a coach, obviously, as, as a young player, you know, as a pro, and then, you know, coaching with him in Philly and learning off of him and just help him helping me along the way. I mean, he's been a great mentor for me. Um, you know, there's, he knows a lot, obviously, about the game. Uh, we all know that. and he, likes, he loves the game so much that he wants to just help help as much as he can you know that's ken for me like you call him anytime he's willing to talk about things and try to discuss things what you can do better and that's even now i talk to him all the time and it's you know nothing but great information and so he you know he's very been unbelievable for my career as a player and a coach and uh, you know he's just a well-deserving hall of fame now, I know this about Hitch. He can get running downhill sometimes talking about hockey, and you may not get the mic back for about 10 to 12 minutes. When he calls, Chief, are you looking at the phone wondering, do I have the energy right now? <laughs> <laughs> well, if I don't pick up because I don't feel like it, he calls back right away again. <laughs> or he calls so one of the other coaches and says, give him the phone. Yeah, I might as well get it out of the way. <laughs> That's awesome, yeah, Coach. So, so when he when he when he, when I answer, hey, hits, how's it going? He goes, how's the troops? <laughs> <laughs> he can't help himself. He's he such just, a history he loves it so much, man. It's unreal. Hey, Chief, one last thing before we let you go. Uh, congratulations on 200 wins, man. It. Uh, oh, appreciate it, guys. No, Thanks. seriously though. Look, I played against you as a player. And I had nothing but respect for you as a player. And the amount of time that you were able to carve out an NHL career and then now post-career and getting 200 wins, it's a great accomplishment, man. Congratulations. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks. It you know, means a lot. Thank you. Uh, we know talking to us means even more. So oh, we appreciate you, Chief. Thank you so much. Hey, guys, anytime. All right. <laughs> Thanks, See Coach. Later, See ya. See ya, boys. See ya. That's Craig Ruby here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Uh, well, you got to do that. What do you mean? At the end, he's got to do that. Well, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. like he digs at you, so I got to dig at him. Yeah, it's you know, back. Plus, watch he's... out, Baruby. I got Stalter. Yeah. Plus, he's not here. So <laughs> and then all of a sudden, <laughs> Jamie, you got me. Cue the music. His entrance song. I'm waiting. One of these days, going to kick the door open. Yeah. And uh, do I catch you? Yeah, I got you. Throw a chair at him or something. Get out of here. <laughs> I throw you in front. Yeah. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great stuff, and uh, I, we always—I feel like Jamie, you mentioned this. Uh, we always get something that I feel like others don't. You know, we saw in the media. He's always great. He's great to the media. But he is unbelievable. I feel like he's opened up because because of your relationship with him, which uh, you know I appreciate, and I know our listeners do too. Yeah, look, I appreciate the relationship as well. He's he's fantastic. I've said this before, and 
like now that I'm on the media side of things and seeing the daily routine that these head coaches, all of them have to go through, mm. Craig Bruby's always available. He never says no. He's never, you know, like standoffish. It's and you look at some of the other markets, and it's not that way. Coaches yeah. get irritated, whatnot. Chief has a very good understanding of, you know, what comes with the job. And he has respect, too, mm-hmm. for people who are doing their jobs. He may not always agree with what they're saying or what they're writing or what sure. their opinions are, but he has respect that, you know, these people are there doing it. So he's one, he's, he's great, man. He knows that, they, that we have a job to do. Yeah. All right, 314-399-9646. It's the Air Comfort Service Tax Line. If you got a question for us, send it there because we have our sports six-pack next in the Fast Lane. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Fast Lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer me! The Sports Six Pack is refreshed by Maggie O'Brien's. Your go-to Irish pub in St. Louis for over 42 years. Time for the Sports Six Pack in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. If you've got a question for us, send it into the Air Comfort Service Tax Line at 314 399 9646 with Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter. Here's Andrew Marsh with your questions. Question number one. This one is from the 636. Odd question, Jamie. Did you ever go to the Pee Wee Quebec tournament? My son is going for the Blues as a goalie. Curious about the experience. Oh, wow. Yes, I did go. And, uh, it's incredible. It is a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And, Anthony, for for you and our listeners who don't know, it's the biggest youth hockey tournament in the world. Nice. And it's in beautiful Quebec City. Marsha, you went. Yeah, I did. Yeah, so how about this? I'll talk about it from my perspective. And then Marshy, obviously, uh, 20 years younger than me, he can talk about it from his perspective because how long the tournament's been going. But mm-hmm. it was awesome. We got to go and stay with Billet families. You know, a couple of teammates stayed at a person's house, and it was fine for me. I spoke perfect French, right? So it was no big deal, but my teammate didn't. So it was like, it wasn't bad. It was kind of cool to kind of interact. And yeah, you get to go around town. You play a bunch of, we'll call them friendly games, too. We played one game that we played on an outdoor rink while we're up there. It was freezing cold, but as kids, we didn't care. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. You played at the time in the Quebec Colisee, which was be like Enterprise Center here. Yeah. But you play a game, and it's sold out. Oh, really? Sold out. For peewee hockey? For yeah. peewee hockey. That's awesome. Like beer vendors going, like the whole thing. <laughs> it was a massive eye-opener. I had such, I had such a great time. Marsha, you can speak to it now, like 20 years later, what yeah. did it look like? Yeah, I mean, it's very similar. I also stayed with a Billet family. Um, we didn't play an outdoor game, but we played it in terms of the friendlies. Uh, played in a mall. And when I think of a mall here, I think of like the the mills, right, where the the rink is in the mall. No, mm-hmm. there was like a roller coaster, <laughs> like yeah. above us. Like wow. there was like people, you would lean over the rail, and the the rink was just right there, smack dab in the middle of the rink. And then we also played at the Pepsi Colisee. And at the time, you know, the Nordiques were not there, but the Quebec Remparts were playing there. Um, and yeah, so actually, if you win. The first game you get to it's a single elim- or it's a double elimination, 
But if you win, you get to stay playing at the Pepsi Coliseum. And if you lose, then you go to another rink and you get put in the loser's bracket. You can win the loser's bracket and make it to the final. Um, but uh, luckily, we never we never lost, so we got to play uh, the entire time there. But Jamie's right. Yeah, you won it, right? Yeah. Marshall's <laughs> nice. team won this yeah. damn tournament. That's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Was Al McInnes was your coach? Yeah. yeah. Chopper wow. was their coach. I remember this team. I didn't know Marshy at the time, obviously, you know, yeah. whatnot, but... Yeah, they went there from St. Louis and dusted off all the competition. Nice. It was it was pretty cool. We almost played the Quebec Junior Remparts. They lost in the semifinal, so I would imagine that the place would have been just absolutely electric if they would have made the final, but they ended up losing. But uh, it was a really cool experience, and to our listener, like enjoy it definitely go check out the uh, Winter Carnival. Oh uh, yeah, if you went- the Benum Carnival, yeah. he's great too. <laughs> Great place to go. So I'm excited for you know not only you know their family but the but their child. You know what right. else is there? Hmm. The Shea Dagobert, baby. <laughs> I did not go to that place. I can't say anything about my parents though. Who knows what they did? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, Marsh, when you were tucked away, got the curfew. Maybe the parents slipped out to dance to uh, Shea Dagobert. Yeah. Oh, Carolina. Another cool place is uh, Winter Level Park. Level three. Yes. Winter Park, super cool. They had go-karts on ice. Did they? Yeah. yeah. That's neat. Pretty That's cool. pretty cool stuff, man. Question number two. From the 636. We were talking about this earlier, about my hatred for the Cowboys. <laughs> if you could eliminate one team's fan base, who would it be? Oh, I don't want to do that to anybody. That's it, tough. It, that sounds harsh. That's Eliminating really, the fan base. really so tough. Boston. Define. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no chance I'm eliminating them. I played there. Jamie. They're awesome. Jamie, when you play there. You know, <laughs> if I may. No, you may not. I think this is, ter- this is a terrible question. It's uh, <laughs> We should not go down Boston. <sighs> mm. I'm not going down that road. You're welcome, the rest of America. Are we trying to be like sympathetic and be like, hey, listen, your four major sports have been awful for who knows how long. Like, We're just going to do you a service and just get rid of you. But wait, how are we get rid of them? Like they, they can't watch the games? Or are we like eliminating them as people? How about this? How about this? <laughs> like, I don't know. Can Hold we on. please be careful? I don't know here. what the rules and regulations well, of this we do the are. Uh, you know what the what what should we call it from the the know. Will Smith movie? Oh, the the little Men in Black, the mind eraser thing. That's what. Ah. That's all we're doing. So we just eliminate. Okay. Like so the, we're not the, like eliminating. Yeah, Boston, the Boston teams don't exist now, oh. and they don't know. Like they they're alive. They they just okay. root for other teams now. Yeah, Ooh. I'm not eliminating the Boston fan base. I'll tell you that right now. Yes, they're hated. Yes, they're obnoxious. Yes, for the visiting team or anybody else, you hate them. Having played there, I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I loved how obnoxious and passionate and heated they were because if you play hard and you know you got a winning team and you do like it's awesome. Mm-hmm. It is awesome. In my year there, we had a real good team with the Bruins and the Patriots went on to win the Super Bowl. I mean, things could not have been better in Boston. So screw you, Anthony. Yeah, Jamie, you're still not answering answering the question, though. I thought mm. I did. I defended the people of Boston. Yeah, that wasn't the question. I'll throw one out there. What about the Bay Maple Leafs. Area? The, ba- the Maple Leafs. Uh-oh. Wow. They're obnoxious. Maple Leafs fans are obnoxious. <laughs> they, <laughs> they are. They feel like their team is like a Rolls Royce, and the rest of the league <laughs> is like a, you know, I got junk car. Even like, with, even with uh, zero... Championships in how many uh, decades now? But it's it's something. If it if it's not like they're the best and you're the worst, it's yeah. the uh, we just you know th- their team 
they they just obliterate their team. They obliterate the coach. They go after the mascot. Like it's everything. What'd that leaf do? Well, it's a bear. It's a oh. polar bear. Yeah. Well, that's a problem. That's that's the problem. I know. You gotta be you gotta get a giant leaf out there. But they're around. they're obnoxious. Every single one of the Leafs fans were one breakaway away from making the NHL. <laughs> just ask them. Or the coach screwed them over or they got injured. Right. Every bar in Toronto. Damn lawyer screwed me. As Toronto Maple Leaf should have been. Yeah. I, uh, my coach, when I was seven, he screwed me <laughs> over. You know? Otherwise, I'd be playing right there next to Matthews. Yep. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> no. no. They no. haven't won a Stanley Cup since the Blues <clears throat> entered into the league. That's a long time like ago. Like the year Blue's before. Been a, but Blues Marcy, been around for a hot minute. The whole hockey world like seems to revolve around the Toronto Maple Leafs. I just, no thank you. It's incredible. All right, let's continue our Sports 6 back next in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I have a question. It's time for the Fast Lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer me! The Sports Six Pack is refreshed by Maggie O'Brien's. Your go-to Irish pub in St. Louis for over 42 years. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter. Back to Marsh with more of your questions for the Sports Six Pack. Question number three. Okay, from the 314, what does it mean when a team beats themselves like the Ravens? Is it fixable? What do you work on? Is that something that could get them in the playoffs? Uh, you know, it definitely can get them in the playoffs, certainly. I don't know if it's a specific thing. Maybe, Jamie, you can you can attest to this. So, like, when you have a really good team, like the Red Wings, for example, yeah. when you played on the, the the Wings teams or some of the, the other good teams that you played on in your NHL career, and you knew you were beating yourself, was it a concentration thing? Uh, was it, you know, you guys got lackadaisical in certain moments of the game? That's what I view the Ravens. I feel like they get, they get into the, for example, the fourth quarter, eight minutes left. You got an opponent you can finish off. Done deal. And they just get sloppy. They get sloppy with the ball. Lamar gets sloppy with the ball. Yeah. Um, you know, even some of their like they they allowed Deshaun Watson, who's not been good, to move the ball too much in the second half. Uh, so I wonder if it's just a concentration or a focus thing. It's all of it. It's what it is. It's it's a complacency. It's concentration. It's focus. It's you know, like it's not that they're bored with their opponent, but. When you have a real good team, sometimes you veer off the course when it comes to whether or not, like for for hockey, like systems wise or puck management. You try a play you shouldn't try because mm-hmm. ah, what the heck, you know, whatever. Right. We're the Red Wings or we're the Blues or like you know what I mean. Where in football, I could see you know the details of running certain plays or picking up certain assignments. Some of that could fall to the wayside as well. So. Yeah. yeah, it's all that stuff. And that's the coaching the coaching staff's job and the leadership group to recognize when that is happening and to try and correct it and stop it before you end up losing. Sure. I mean the other the other thing here too is that if you look at if you look at the Ravens, when they got up thirty one to seventeen yesterday, got the ball back when the Rave when the Browns had scored to make it thirty one to twenty four. They run Gus Edwards for two yards, and then Lamar had his throw batted down, 
or batted up in the air, excuse me, and picked off for that pick six by Greg Newsom the second. Run the ball. That is a that is a moment you have got to be able to not just choose to run the football, but run the football effectively. That's the difference in I, I think in football. When you have an opponent down, and at thirty-one to seventeen, you've got them. You got the Browns down. You have to run the ball effectively. The Chargers in the playoffs last year did not run the ball effectively. They did not have a power game to match their passing game. And what happened? The Jaguars stormed back. Mm-hmm. The Falcons, when they lost the, the Patriots in the Super Bowl, they did not run the ball effectively. To You have to force the Patriots to play the clock now, not you. And instead, you give them more opportunities to come back on you. So it's not just, again, choosing to run the football. It is effectively running the football. Look at the Eagles, man. Eagles, when the, when the Eagles need an eight-minute drive to salt away a game, they can do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing before we get to the next question, mm-hmm. Anthony, we had uh, somebody on the uh, Air Alliance YouTube channel, Gator Bait, says, uh, hey, Jamie, isn't your mom a Maple Leafs fan? <laughs> <laughs> After you eliminated them? Yeah. And got a text. Uh. About a minute and a half later. Mama Rivers. Mumsy. Mama oh. Rivers. Watch out. I'm a fan. <laughs> sorry, Mom. I love you. I'm how, sorry. How could you do that to your own mother? I really wasn't thinking about it in the moment. Uh-huh. And then as soon as Gator Bait brought it up, I was like, oh, man, my mom is a Maple Leafs fan. Jeez. Mm. You know. Sorry, Mom. You got You've on... got Ottawa and Montreal now. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, you, got on, you got on his high horse when I was talking about Boston. Yeah. Marsh. He no. could have just jumped no. right on board. Nope. But no, he had, to, he had to get on his high horse and then he eliminated his own mother. Hey, yeah, throw it right across the, the bus. Yep. That's ridiculous. She's got two other teams she could cheer for. She don't like those teams. Yeah, she kind of does. She likes the Maple Leafs. Yeah. It's her team. Well, you know. The Maple Leaf, uh, the Toronto Polar Bears. <laughs> <laughs> she loves them. Sorry, Mumsy. <laughs> Question number four. From the 618, across the major sports, do you think that college coaches are better coaches than professional coaches, or do you think that professional coaches are better than college coaches? It's two different animals. Man. Yeah, it's tough, too, because what? there's more oh, college man. teams. And college is about... Okay, <clears throat> so college coaching. There's recruiting, which is like sales, is what it is. You're selling yourself, you're selling your program... And you're trying to get the kids to like you. Being a pro coach is the kids are trying to get the coach to like them. You know, like to draft them, to pick them up, to play them. And collegiate level is, it's just so different. You can have so many different, like, team building, team bonding, team things that you do that are kind of cheesy, but they're awesome at the collegiate level and, you know, all these types of rah, rah, rah. You get to the pro level and like Nick Saban found out quickly and oh, yeah. Urban Meyer and all these guys found out. It's, this is the NFL, yeah. which means not for long if you keep up that crap, coach. Yeah. When and, Nick Saban is barking at his defense yeah. and Zach Thomas turns around and tells him to go blank himself. <laughs> <laughs> It's an eye-opener. That's when you know. Yeah. Like, oh, you're making more than I am now. Yeah. So when it comes to X's and O's, I think that a lot of them are probably fairly similar. But you have to understand, like, the college game is just so different than the pro game. 
Mm-hmm. So the coaching is going to be different. It doesn't mean that the college coach can't coach in the NFL because we've seen that before. And then it doesn't mean the reverse either. It's just that they're just so different. Yeah. That's just my opinion. I mean, if you want to say like who uh, college versus pro, who's got the top end coaches, I, I think there's probably more top end coaches in the NFL right now than oh, yeah. college. I mean, oh, yeah. you, when you're talking about Andy Reid and – uh, Kyle Shanahan and McVay. Well, let's look at some of the offensive coordinators or defensive coordinators in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Look how awesome some of those guys are, and yeah. they're not—they're go- not good enough yet to be a head coach. Right, right. And Where, it, and that's different too. That's a different. It's a completely different. You know, a lot of guys, you know, Norv Turner was an outstanding offensive coordinator. He could not yeah. be a head coach. Or Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels. If yeah. you want any recent history, there you hey. go. Yeah. So uh, I think, but I think there's more top end NFL coaches than there are college, top end college coaches. So you're talking about Nick Saban and Kirby Smart. Uh, yeah, there's really only a select few yeah. that you think of all the time that mm-hmm. are like dominant college right. coaches. Like Lincoln Riley's a really good college coach, but he's never won anything big. Yeah, um, and he probably won't for a while. And he probably won't for a while. <laughs> Dabo's one big, but now he's he's going backwards. Go ahead, Marsh. Yelling at people, <laughs> fans. <laughs> Question number five from the three one four. There are a lot of six win NFL teams, but they don't all seem equal caliber. Mm-mm. Who are the best four? I'm sorry. Who are the four best six win teams? For reference, they are the Seahawks, 49ers, Cowboys, Vikings, Dolphins, Steelers, Browns, and the Jags. Wow. In so, order. Yeah. Go ahead. 49ers, Jamie. Uh huh. I would go with the Dolphins next. I would say yes. I would go with the. Um, the I would go with the Cowboys, yeah. then the Jaguars, then Marsh's Vikings, then the Seahawks, then the Steelers, and then the Browns. Then the Browns. Yeah, I'm with you on that. <laughs> and of course, you can you, know, you get toward the bottom there. The Browns, the Browns, and the Steelers are both really good defensively, but do you trust either offensively? No. Uh, Seattle, I've called painfully average for a while now. They got they, they went to Baltimore. They messed around and found out in Baltimore. <laughs> They've played with their food several times. Mm. Commanders yesterday, for example. I just I'm not a big Seahawks fan. Marsh Marsh loves them. He loves the Seahawks. I don't love the Seahawks. Got them winning the NFC West. I mean, I do, but winning a playoff game. But not me. Mm. Not up in here. Uh, real quick before we get to the next question. Thoughts on Sam Howell. I saw something on Twitter yesterday saying that Washington has found their next uh, franchise quarterback. Would you agree with that? I think Sam Howell is really good. I would love to see Sam Howell not have to t- not to have to absorb the beating that he takes every single Sunday mm-hmm. because Washington has no desire to protect him and Eric Bieniemy has no desire to run the football. Um, if you put Sam Howell in Atlanta, I wonder if they're six and four. Instead of four and six, Sam Howell. Sam Howell is is probably the better, one of the better young QBs in the league that we still don't know enough about, mm-hmm. but we know that he's better than some of the other dog crap that's available. Is that well fair, said, Jamie? Yeah, well said. Yeah. Well said. All right, thank you. Question number six. Final question from the three one four: Are the Edmonton Oilers the St. Louis Cardinals of twenty twenty three? Oh, Ooh. wow. Hey. Hey. Oof. Ah. 
Seems like it. Ooh. Uh, they're a mess up there right now, by the way. The Edmonton Oilers just fired their coach, Jay Woodcroft. And this then, is your fault. Well, and here's the interesting thing is then you, they have the press conference today where they're welcoming in their new head coach. And a couple things from that press conference. Uh, one, Ken Holland was asked about, you know, have you talked, did you talk to any of the players before? <laughs> Making these decisions, and whatnot. Ken Holland says, oh, "Yeah, of course. You know, I, I <laughs> saw this. I uh, talked to some of the veteran players and talked about you know what's going on and blah 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 blah." Mm-hmm. And then they go right to the president oh, of boy. Hockey Ops, who's sitting right beside him, and almost asked the same thing. And he says, "We didn't really talk to anybody. In oh, fact, none of the boy. players, <clears throat> none of the players knew about it. Connor had no idea. Like, I mean, I'm not joking. The exact same question." Two completely different answers. You have got to be on the same page. And then the head coach is introduced. Oh, boy. Well, did you see what McDavid said today? He said that he never lost, they never lost the locker room. No, they just lost a lot of games. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if he lost the locker room or not. I wasn't in there, right? But Connor McDavid saying they never lost the locker room. Then he's like, yeah, I found out just like you guys. Okay, Connor. Nice poker face. But... You go further. The the coach is introduced, and he's asked about from the staff from the media. Hey, uh, is the existing staff still going to be stay in place and whatnot? And he had to stop, and look at the GM. Oh, and Kenny Holland goes, uh, "Yes, yes, the staff's going to stay." What? Mm. I did not see that part. Yeah. Then then they go on to announce that Paul Coffey is now going to be an assistant coach. So he's not only a senior advisor to the team, now he's going to be on the bench. It's a mess. This is like the Oilers of like 10 years ago when it was really laughable. What are they doing? They have the greatest player in the world and they might have the second greatest player in the world on the same damn team. And then they have a bunch of bums on their team. Oh, they got a good roster. They're missing some pieces, but they shouldn't be this bad. It shouldn't be in shambles the way it is right now. Yeah. Like, woof. They just need pitching. They just need some pitching. They'll figure it out. And a bad division. <laughs> a couple of top-end starters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, they'll be right there. No problem. All right, we've got what's trending next in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's trending in the world of sports? The Fast Lane has you covered. What's trending now? Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate to Goodwill to win a magical Polar Express staycation. Welcome back to the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. Anthony Stalter, Jamie Rivers, I'm Andrew Marsh, and it is time for What's Trending. Jamie, we talked about this in the office before the show started, but the Carolina Hurricanes are bringing back the Hartford Whaler Unis and the Cooperalls. (laughs) Jamie, maybe you can explain this better than I can, but for those that don't know what Cooperalls are, can you give them a better understanding of what we might see here in the future from Carolina? Yeah, so Cooperalls were a very... um interesting moment in time for hockey but if you watch your blues or any nhl team right now they've got the hockey pants the hockey socks it's too you know obviously it's split up cooperalls are you put all your gear on and then you slide these pants on like hip waders almost <laughs> now you know it, it's a solid leg there's no socks mm-hmm. there's no pants it's one big piece of equipment and that's what it so it looks like you're playing hockey in like dress pants out there. 
And but it was a, I mean, it was a pretty cool look way back when. Mm-hmm. And it is a very <laughs> retro look now, obviously. And the Flyers did it last year. I think it was last year because I was, I think I was actually broadcasting that game. And but I think Marshy's right. I did a little research. They wore them. They wore the Cooperalls for warm up. And then switch to the regular pants and socks after, mm-hmm. which would be a massive inconvenience, by the way. Yeah, I'm sure players were thrilled <laughs> with that. But um, yeah, so it's worth tuning in. It's worth tuning in. The Hartford Whalers have some of the greatest uniforms ever. It's a great mm-hmm. logo. It, the colors are cool, uh, and with the Cooperalls, I mean, it boy, it adds. It's got a real Flint Tropics feel to it all. Nice. Yeah, I like that. John Heyman tweeted out earlier today sources. The Braves and your St. Louis Cardinals are among teams showing early interest in free agent right-handed pitcher, the RHP, Aaron Nola. What? Oh, We're interested so- in Sources. Wow. Heads up, everybody. Boy, sources. Make sure Tell you them. sources there. Oof. Yeah. Well, guys, what do you think about uh, Aaron Nola joining uh, the team? I don't know. You guys like that? or? Uh, might be too much. Here's what I worry about, though. What do you worry about, Jamie? Well, if I pick the Braves or I pick the Cardinals, hmm, where am I leaning? Cardinals, they have more World Series titles. Yeah. No, no, I'm not, Anthony. I'm going to lean towards a team that is probably the same roster for the next few years, which means they're probably going to be competitive. Because the hey. Braves are rumored to be in the old Otani sweepstakes here, too, you recently. Know, you know what, they're Jamie? They're just making money there. You know what? How do they make money? We don't. The Braves had as many playoff series victories as the Cardinals did a year ago. So there. Yeah, I know, Anthony. You make a great point, Anthony. Thank you. I don't think so. We'll have to check in with these sources. Had one more playoff win than the Cardinals did last year. They're basically uh, the same team. See the Cardinals picked up Rodriguez? What? Eduardo Rodriguez? No. No. Oh. Wilking Rodriguez. Apparently, uh, to Rule 5 pickup, right-handed pitcher Wilking Rodriguez cleared waivers, uh, was offered back to the Yankees. They said, no, thank you. And uh, so the Cardinals pick him up. Well, championship. Here we go, baby. I love it. We have picked up two pitchers here. I mean, when you can pick That's, up. Oh, we know only one more now. Yeah, and then you're set. <laughs> We're good. I'm excited. I don't know about you guys. Oh, dang it. You know what? Everything's fine. Mm. They're going to be fine. Are they? Nope. Mm. What else you got, Marsh? So I saw this on Twitter today. This is from Aspen Institute. Aspen. Yes. <laughs> a study done. Aspen uh, Institute is what you said? Yes. Naturally. Okay, go ahead. So there was a Sweet. study done. Uh core participation in select sports ages 6 through 12 and it has a different uh, bunch of sports Joe Popliano uh, sort of broke it down in his tweet better than what this you know what this graph would basically I'm going to read his tweet rather than me just going through this All right. he says youth participation across baseball is at minus 20% tackle football minus 13% it's down tennis up 51%. Mm. Golf up 32%. And soccer up 4%. And I'll even look on here and find ice hockey. 
Ice hockey down minus 17 and a half percent. This is from 2019 to 2022. Yeah, it's because everybody's soft. Go, oh, yeah. Jamie. No, you know what? You're thinking it. I'll be the I'll be the voice <laughs> to your thoughts. Football, contact sport. Baseball, you know, maybe it's... You a, have to make contact yeah. if you're going to... Hockey, contact good. sport. Hitter. And you got to play within a group, a team, right? Yeah. Oh, we got golf. What team are you on? I'm play all by myself. Okay. How about well, tennis? teams. I know, but yeah, you know I get your saying. It's an individual You pass sport. the ball over to somebody else no. and he hits it in? Nope. Like, no. So golf and tennis, individual, no contact. Mm-hmm. Soccer, you know. <laughs> it's a team sport. Yeah. You have to... Ice hockey. You have to pass the ball down. over to... You know? Yeah. Yeah. I got you. I think Jamie's on to something. I think you're right, something. Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Why do you think baseball's down, though? Uh, it's too hard. <laughs> <laughs> Some people say, you know, I don't want to play it. I don't know why baseball would be down. Is the price of baseball going up? Maybe. I don't know, because... Well, the- why would individual sports be up? That's the that, so. Let's focus on this. That's that's really the question. Because the only it's soft, the only non-individual sport that you would mention, Marsh, was soccer. Yeah, and they were four percent. So why why would individual sports be up? That's the question. That's where we have to start. I don't know the answer, but it's, that's the question. If you're playing like at a high level of golf, we're talking about prices. Golf is expensive. So it's not. So it's not price. Is it because? And I'm just throwing this out. Maybe, maybe more kids are spending less time outside. Maybe it's it's more like individualized video games. I would know? even oh, say I, I would say that, video games. Uh, I don't know. What are we blaming it on? Maybe select sports is a bit toxic now. A little too political. Oh, it's, you're not wrong there. Well, it's like especially from are, a youth baseball standpoint, you have all these different you know clubs and whatnot, and they just and, pillage each other. Yeah, yeah, it's brutal. It's worse than the transfer portal. Well, it's also you know when it's like all the Toronto fans that you were talking about earlier, I Jamie. When when those, I mean, they could they, if it wasn't for the coaches and the in, you know that oh, stuff, yeah, they could have right, yeah. been NHLers. So. And I didn't dog on tennis. Somebody says, Jamie, don't dog on tennis. Then they're kind of funny. To say, ever hear a tennis elbow? You're right. I that played tennis on my high school team. I did. It, I did. I played tennis. I was uh, single. I feel like you add sports every oh. every few weeks. And I can tell you, and Mumsy, who's listening right now, you can text in and clarify this. I played tennis, played baseball, played football, played hockey, played basketball, all these things. Wrestled. I was an athlete, Anthony. Well, I know that. You played on the uh, tennis team. Made the NHL. A lot of people are saying COVID makes sense. What team is that? No, well, <laughs> well, in COVID, what? Maybe yeah, because the kids you're, in, playing. you're inside. You could. I don't. But why COVID? would that make sense? I mean, you tennis. What, though? Really, I'm not gonna go. There. Here's you another know, thing. Yeah. Here's another I think thing. Jamie's right. I think. Soft. What about esports? Yeah. What about it? Well, maybe kids are getting more into video games yeah, and seeing that you can make money from it. It's not a sport. The fact they call it esports drives me crazy. It's not a sport. We should call it e games. It's not a sport. It's true. EA well, who's your coach for your eSport? I just play a lot. That's not... You don't have a coach. Uh, by the way, congratulations. How do you coach video games? I don't know. <laughs> I bet you there's people out there that... Click are, the button! <laughs> use your left thruster! <laughs> you haven't been playing for eight hours a day, have you? 
You're not committed. I'm going to need way. you to do a 10 up-downs in your chair. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baltimore's Gunnar Henderson, named AL Rookie of the Year. First Orioles player to win the award since 1989. Mm. Congratulations to Gunnar Henderson. That boy, Gunnar. Yep. All right, it's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. we got the biggest question of the day next. We're right back to the Fastlane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. for the Fast Lane's biggest question of the day. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stelters. Andrew Marsh with the biggest question of the day. All right, gentlemen, we talked about Joshua Dobbs earlier today. You know, we've talked about CJ Stroud. Jamie, you mentioned that you saw someone say that he could potentially be the MVP. <laughs> so I want to ask you guys a question. <laughs> how are how are teams missing on quarterbacks, whether that's CJ Stroud? And then why do some quarterbacks work better better in, in different systems? Joshua Dobbs, Baker Mayfield, yeah. even though that team is, you know, not a juggernaut by any means. And then Jared Goff. Like Jared Goff wasn't really all that special in Los Angeles. Granted, they did make it to the Super Bowl, but I think he's been way better in Detroit. Yeah. So I've I've said this before, and I apologize that you know if you've heard this, heard me say it, but there's a reason why I've I've repeated myself. the the biggest The biggest thing to have success in the NFL is to marry the quarterback. And the talent of the quarterback and the skill set of the quarterback to the system. And that goes back to Bill Walsh. Bill Walsh is the greatest coach, you know, to, to walk the earth in the NFL. His system matched up perfectly with Joe Montana. Joe Montana may not have elevated every system that he that that you know was available at the time or that was run at the time. But he fit perfectly with the West Coast system. He was accurate. He knew where the ball needed to be. Two Jerry Rice, left shoulder, right shoulder, depending on the play, get up field. Joe Montana was a perfect perfect fit for Bill Walsh. If you look at other quarterbacks around the league, so Jared Goff, for example, why did Jared Goff struggle outside of Sean McVay's system his first year? Well, it's because he had Jeff Fisher, and then I don't even know who the OC was at the time. But when he left, when he got traded to the Lions, Ben Johnson runs a system that is perfect for Jared Goff. Get the ball out of your hands quickly, throw over the middle. They got one of the best slot receivers in the game in Amon Ross St. Brown. So they matched up his, his skill set with the system. Why do, why do some quarterbacks fail? Well, they're not in the same, they're not in the right system. They're not in the right system to maximize their talent. Some guys like Zach Wilson, unfortunately, the processing just isn't there. He can't process. What makes you say that? There's been some evidence here, Jamie. <laughs> I liked him coming out of BYU. My sample size. I like the athleticism. <laughs> I like the arm strength. You loved him. I did. You loved him. I fell in love with that backyard, backyard style of football. And I he, did not know that. I did. I liked oh, him. Man. I wasn't here yet for that. Anthony, I liked him coming out Anthony of BYU. Picked him over Justin Herbert. Well, now uh, he's oh, in yeah, love I with do. Justin Herbert. I do love Justin Herbert. Yeah. I did not see. I did not see what anybody saw in Justin Herbert coming out of coming out of school. It's it's tough sometimes with these 
kids. Oh yeah, absolutely. College, systems. <laughs> One guy plays at BYU. How about Josh Allen? He played at Wyoming. Yeah. You know, it, who did he play? He didn't play anybody. Big arm. That was it. But he, he got in the right system under Brian Dable, and they've tried to copy that with with Ken Dorsey. Now some guys elevate the talent, like Patrick Mahomes. You know, I mean, that's he could probably play in any system and be fine. But he's he's the exception. Tom yeah. Brady was the offense. Patrick Mahomes. We say yeah. that, but we haven't seen Patrick Mahomes without Andy Reid. Very true. And I'm not suggesting for one second that Patrick Mahomes wouldn't be a good quarterback. Yeah. Is he winning Super Bowls, yeah, MVPs? It, all the, yeah. You know. Yep. So I think that's that's where that's where guys miss. They they don't they they have the head coach. You know, they hire the head coach, and then the quarterback. You know, it's a bad team. And they take the quarterback, but is the quarterback a fit? Would C.J. Stroud have been a better fit for Frank Reich and his system? Maybe. That's probably why Frank Reich was throwing the owner under the bus earlier this season. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah, maybe somebody knew. Maybe they knew. Would Bryce Young be a better fit in, uh, I don't know, Kyle Shanahan's system? Probably. I think it's a system thing. It's a fit. Can the, can the system elevate the skill set of the quarterback? Pete Carroll, we're watching a TV right now. Russell Wilson, right? Oh, boy. Russell Wilson. Pete Carroll knew what Russell Wilson, what system he needed to be in to, to succeed. Heavy run, heavy play action. Russell didn't think that. Russ didn't think that. Russ thought he could cook. He's not, a, he's not a pocket passer. So I think it comes down to knowing what you have, knowing what the skill set is, and finding the right system. I'm sure it's that way in hockey, too, Jamie. Maybe not, maybe not from a system standpoint, um, but maybe a line standpoint. Yeah, or, you know, what your role is on the team, what style of player you're going to be mm-hmm. in the NHL. I don't think it's as defined as, like, football. Because, mm-hmm. obviously, it's very position-specific in football, and you have plays that last five, six seconds, and then everybody stops and starts up again. Yeah. So I think there's a lot more scheming and you have to find a guy that can do what you need him to do. Whereas hockey's got obviously a lot more flow to it, a lot more reacting to what's going on on the ice. I, I lean towards smarter hockey players rather than physically gifted players mm-hmm. because the physically gifted player may never wrap their brains around what they're actually supposed to do. And you see those guys all over the place. Man, he's really fast and good, and like, look at Nail Yakupov. Yeah, no, right. just an example. skill set wise. Skill set wise, you know, and you're like, whoa. Even Andreas Anthonisiu. Yeah, he's had some success, but why do you think he's still like in the Chicago Blackhawks organization? Why do you think he's bounced around? Why do you think these guys go from team to team to team? Because they don't have the hockey IQ. Right. They have the skills physically. But you get a guy that's close physically, that really thinks the game and sees the game well, and you look at him on the ice, you're like, the guy just gets it. Mm-hmm. Just gets it. You can always add the skill. Like, you can always work with players. Players are continuously developing anyways. So I'd rather have a smarter player than just a physically gifted player that's got, you know, nothing between the ears. Sure. Yeah, that makes you right. For the hockey, pro level. Yeah, hockey IQ. Baseball IQ, because a college IQ. junior hockey and all these, you can get away with it. Yeah, you get away American with League, you can get away with it. Sure, you can't get away with it in the NHL. Yeah. All right, that's the biggest question of the day here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. What you missed? Criticisms, compliments. Next. We're right back to the Fast Lane podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN, and if you missed anything from today's show, you can always download the podcast available at 101ESPN.com or on your 101 ESPN mobile app. It's all brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Talk to Craig Bruby today about his team's performance over the weekend in Colorado. Talked about the power play and things that he's seeing right now out of his team, specific players, Pavel uh, Buchnevich and Braden Shen and Colton Pareko. So had a good chat with the Chief. Talked a lot about the uh, the Blues throughout the course of the show as well. Mixed in some Mizzou. How important was that win on Saturday for Mizzou for the program? The program. Some, the program. The, uh, the NFL broke down some of the aspects of yesterday's slate. What did we learn? What did we learn about teams like the Joshua Dobbs and uh, the Ravens losing to the Browns? How about the Bengals and Texans? C.J. Stroud? Ugh. That's all available at the podca- on the podcast. Marsh, what do you got for criticisms and compliments? All right, gentlemen, from the 636, looks like Anthony, as of yesterday, you better start training on waffles. Yeah, no doubt. Well. Yep, no doubt. I got to... You know, I'm just not going to eat from now until the end of the year. I should be pretty hungry at that point. Although my stomach will have shrunk at that point. So, you mm. know what? I got to give it more thought. I got some time. <laughs> We were talking earlier about, uh, speaking of the NFL, we defeated the Rizzuto show again. Yeah, we in did. In the Pick'em Challenge. Do they even care? I mean, I, I don't know. I've heard nothing from them. I think that they've just given up. I think so, out. too. Mm-hmm. Hmm. From the 6-1 hate, well, when you're the NFL, or when the NFL is scripted, I'm sure the Rizzuto show doesn't get a copy like 101 ESPN mm, does. That's got to be our guy. That's got to be our guy. That's King Excuse Maker himself. Mm. That is old 6 1 hate yeah. right there. He loves the Rizzuto show. Always rooting him on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He can't accept it either. There's no accountability there. He's yeah. not looking in the mirror and saying, you know what? I'm part of the problem. <laughs> All nope, of his favorite not teams him. are losing. He just point, he continues to point that finger at us. Yeah. Well, guess what? I don't know. I got another. Mm. Hmm. Okay. Uh, from the 636, Marshy, you're better than that. It was John Morosi, not John Heyman. I guess I said John Heyman when we were talking uh, in What's Trending about uh, Aaron Nola potentially being on the Cardinals' radar. Sources. Sources, Sources tell. It was John Morosi. John Morosi. Not John Heyman. I, was, I, John mean, I literally Heyman. had Twitter right in front of my face, and I got it wrong. You so. know, sometimes the, the hamster sees what it wants to see. Yeah. I, was right. just, I had John Heyman well in my said. head. Thank you. Um, from TPS, not the stick. Uh, sadly, I missed the entire show today, but I'm sure you rocked it, though. Oh, well, first and foremost, sorry you missed it, but that's why we podcast everything for you. Oh, Jamie eliminated his own mother, too. You want to go back and listen oh, to no, that? no, I didn't eliminate my mother. Yeah, oh, you said t- I want to eliminate all Toronto Maple Leafs fans, and Mama Ribs is a Toronto Maple Leaf fan, so... Oh, you know. Yeah, you do the math. What would happen? Would they just disappear? Yeah. yeah. Like in thin air. Yep. I think there would just be no team anymore. Yep. Just like snap. That's it. And all of them go away. Done. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> from the 314. This is from CNC. Music Factory. All, all Everybody dance now. Always good to hear you guys talking sports. I could have used a little more crushing of the Cardinals front office, yeah. but I guess we'll have all winter for that. Happy Monday. Yeah, we took uh, we took a little break from hammering the yeah. Cardinals. Yep. Got lots of time. Though. Plenty of time. We have a ton of time. <laughs> yep. 
Maybe we'll get it more into it tomorrow. You stay angry out there, you know? You stay angry, we'll we'll meet you. Well, nothing nothing's really happened yet, you know. No. Once once things start it's part to of the, that's the point, yeah. Marsh. This team's so yeah. freaking content. I guess I guess I didn't see uh finishing last place last Ooh. year, Jamie. Or all the empty seats down at Bush Stadium. Uh, just sit around and let other teams sign the pitching that you need. You're welcome, TPS. That's for you. That wasn't... Never mind. That was, that was CNC. Well, TPS and CNC Music Factory, that was for you. Uh, last one here. We had Craig Bruby on the show earlier today. This is from one of our listeners on the YouTube chat. Uh, all brought to you by Air Alliance team. All, all bro and Lil Jamie. Hey, Coach Baruby, congratulations winning last night's or uh, Saturday night's game against the Abs, and I hope tomorrow night is going to be a great game against the Lightning. Yes. What do they call us? The name is All, all bro and Lil Jamie. Oh. Wow. I thought those nicknames for us. Maybe. Maybe. Like Lil Jamie. And you're All, all bro. All bro. No, you're. I don't, I don't know what that means. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Who you know what? We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. That's right. Mm-hmm. We've got Bills Broncos pregame 6:30. Marsh versus Jamie in terms of who's going to get shot tomorrow. It's going to be fun. Until tomorrow, too, we will see you. You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.